Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN with Kerry Davis and Brooke Grimsley. I'm Randy Carricker. It's great to have you with us as we open the 2023 baseball season in downtown St. Louis. We're at the Budweiser Brew House at Ballpark Village. And it's great to have you along with us. We're right across the street from the ballpark. If you're coming downtown today, before you head to Bush Stadium, stop on by, say hi to us. PK and Ferrari will be here, and the Fast Lane will be here this afternoon as well. Kerry Davis, happy opening day. How are you doing? I am doing well, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Good to see you. And your first opening day. Very first one ever. I am a 42-year-old man, and this is my first one. Uh, been a lifelong Cardinals fan, so yeah. I'm excited. I'm going to. My son is going to come down later on today, and we're going to share this moment together. So I'm looking forward to it. Doesn't get any better than that. Those are unforgettable memories that you'll have forever, and he'll have forever. Right, Brooke? It is. I mean, I, I can't think of anything better than opening day here in St. Louis. When I first came here, experiencing that, the sea of red, you've always seen it on TV, but it's different when you come here in person and experience that. I think the biggest thing, I just love seeing the red jackets come out and just seeing all that history is just such a beautiful thing. And then all the fans coming in, too. I mean, it's literally a sea of red just coming inside of Bush Stadium. Everybody's celebrating. It should be a holiday, I think is the best way to say it. It really should. It should be an official holiday in St. Louis. It is amazing when you talk to people. And we're going to talk to Greg Amzinger at the bottom of this hour. We'll talk to Mark McGuire here from him at 8 o'clock. We also interviewed Bob Costas, and we'll talk to him. But people that have been to every single ballpark for opening day, to a person, by consensus, say this is the best opening day of baseball. Better than the Yankees, better than the Dodgers, better than the Cubs or Red Sox because of what you're talking about, because of the pomp and circumstance and the fact that you do bring all of the red jackets back. But then the fans are the, the ones that make it because everybody's going to be dressed in red. And especially you, you're from SEC country. Carrie, you played at Illinois when uh, things were going well at times. It really is a college football type atmosphere. It really is. And who else has Clydesdales? Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, that's my question. Yeah, that, that's how we win. There's no question. It's, <laughs> if, if there's a tiebreaker, we have the Clydesdales. That's exactly right. Also, being around them for the first time, too, the first time I actually got to be close to a Clydesdale, I was like, that thing is massive. Yeah, you don't horses, realize, yeah. like, oh, it's bigger than, like, a normal horse. <laughs> yeah, they are, they are huge animals, and they are, uh, I mean, it's just an exciting time just to be here to see it. Uh, I've seen it multiple times on TV, obviously, uh, but just to, to experience it, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. I'm like, it's like Christmas Day. And, Kerry, you, you, that, that Steelers team, I'm sure that you guys knew you were good. Mm -hmm. And there's a vibe when the yeah. season starts. Yeah. And Brooke and I were down at the ballpark yesterday, and I, I get that vibe of a team that it, it's not cocky, but they're very, very confident from the, the top of the front office all the way down to player number 26. They feel like they can win. Yeah, I, I mean, the guys, they just had a very calm demeanor about themselves yesterday. I don't know if you picked up on that as well. Obviously, they're really excited, but I noticed, too, as soon as Jordan Walker came out, I, all the cameras, everybody just <laughs> looked at Jordan Walker, but he doesn't even seem phased by that, and I mean that in a good way, right? Because you can get really caught up in the moment, moment of this. You're 20 years old. You're going to be playing 
on the Cardinals opening day roster. You're going to be in the lineup. They confirmed that yesterday as well, too. You can really get caught up in that and be a little bit overwhelmed. But I talked to him yesterday about, you know, OK, has anybody told you about opening day here at Bush Stadium? He was like, yeah, yeah, no, they told me. And, you know, they talked about the Clydesdales and the Red Jackets is going to be amazing. And he said he's going to have a ton. He couldn't put a number. It sounds like his family's kind of taking over, getting people in here inside Bush Stadium. Best way to but do it. It, yeah, he yeah. said he's going to have <laughs> a lot of friends and families here to watch him. And that that's as good as it gets for your, your opener as a major leaguer. Yeah, you have your family take over. You don't, you don't want to worry <laughs> about all of that stuff. It's almost like, you know, preparing for the Super Bowl first game, opening day, your first game as a professional baseball player. You want to have as, as the least amount of distractions as possible so you can go out there and perform. And it's a great moment for your family because they are, they are the ones that watched you from the time you were a child. They're the ones that your mother and father are the ones that took you to all of your games uh, when you were a kid, when you were unable to drive, right? They, they had to get you to practice on time, pick you up, make sure you were doing all of the things that you needed to do to make it to this level. So there is a level of pride from your family members that is, you, you really can't describe it un, un, unless you're in it. Um, so I'm sure they're gonna be loud, screaming, extremely happy for him. Uh, and hopefully he goes out and performs and does what everyone here thinks he's going to do. And yeah, guys, I couldn't I, imagine. Yeah, I couldn't imagine, like, you're dealing with the excitement of opening day. And, oh, by the way, everybody's texting you and is like, hey, can I get tickets? Yeah, Probably, right, like, people yeah. you haven't heard from in, yes. like, forever. Like, hey, the, what the, about those opening day tickets? The best way to handle that is I would tell people, yeah, just call my mom. I don't have her number. Well, I guess you're not coming. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. You're not, you're not close <laughs> enough. <laughs> if, you don't, if you can't call my mother or text my yep. mother directly without receiving a number, it eh, might not be for you. <laughs> too, far, <laughs> too far away. I'm intrigued from an on-field standpoint by the rules changes. I'm excited about the rules changes. I like them all. It used to be if you went to a 310 game on opening day, you could count on being there till 630 or so. I think we can count on getting out by 535, 45, even if we have a 10 inning game today. And it's not just the shortness of the game, but the game will not be boring. And uh, Carrie, your son is going to be there. And I yes. know I get young people 10, 11, 12 years old not having the attention span, especially because they play video Correct. games, to appreciate baseball. I think now with 15 seconds with nobody on base, 20 seconds with pitch with runners on base, I think that'll make the game so much more attractive to young. It's going to make the game more attractive to me. I'm 60, and my <laughs> attention span isn't great, so I have to imagine that young kids will be drawn into the pace of play here. Well, my son is uh, one of those kids that definitely attention span is like, ah, he's bouncing off the walls. <laughs> so this is going to be good for him because he can it's going to be rapid action it's not going to be a, a, a huge break in between pitches uh, the innings are, are, will obviously be a little bit quicker because you won't have as much time it's going to be more fun more impact more things happening uh, right now and I hope I hope you know we talked about the the, the bases being bigger we talked about the, the ban of the shift I hope there's more explosive offense I hope there's more stolen bases I hope I'm hoping, Randy, I grew up in the 80s. I was an 80s baby. I enjoyed watching Vince Coleman and those guys steal bases. And, and, and Ricky Henderson was one of my favorite players. Mm -hmm. I loved that type of baseball. I'm hoping we get back to it just a little bit 
of that style of baseball where guys are, are stealing bags and, and really showing that athleticism. They should athleticism. bring back those unis, too. Yeah. Those were cool, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. the baby blues. Yeah, I, I, I like those, especially the style of it. But I don't know if you saw yesterday. Did you see the pitch clock? I did. Because I, everybody kind of stopped. All the reporters stopped because it was our first time seeing it inside a Bush Stadium. And we all, the, our first reaction was, wow, that's a lot smaller than I thought it was <laughs> going mm -hmm. to be. Because I think on TV, especially early on, I don't know if they've, it's different sizes at different places, right. but it seemed like it was going to be massive and really noticeable, but it really isn't. And if you're a hitter, the big thing is going to be hitters. I, I wonder how Nolan Arenado is going to do today. I'm going to watch him specifically because he was he's peripatetic. He's always moving when he's at the plate, so I'm interesting, interested to see how he handles the pitch clock and if he has his eyes up and ready to go with six seconds left on the clock. I, unless Gallegos is in the game, I don't think there's a whole lot of intrigue with the pitchers. Yeah, no, it, it really didn't seem like it talking to some of the pitchers. Now, it was interesting. I did ask Paul Goldschmidt yesterday in the clubhouse about what he thought about the rule changes, and that was the first thing he brought up, is that he thinks that that might be an issue is the pitch clock and what that will be like for the hitters, what you're talking about there with Nolan Arnauto and some of the other guys who are just not used to it. He was kind of hoping that maybe as the season progresses, there will be some tweaks to it. Well, it... The, the hitter has to be looking at the pitcher with eight seconds on the clock. I think that'll be hard for some of these guys. And I, <laughs> yes. I, I think baseball, it'll be tough because some players will adjust. But if you have your one of your best players who just has done for 30 years what he does in, yeah. in Arnado, yeah. what do you do? Do you put it at put an extra couple of seconds on there. It'll be interesting to see how baseball treats this if they do have issues. I, I hope that they all got it all figured out during spring training. I know a couple of those guys didn't have to deal with that because they were at the World Baseball Classic. So they didn't get as many reps as, as some of the other guys that were in spring training the entire time. But I, I hope we don't have any of those issues. I hope we don't get a, a call third strike because a guy is not in the batter's box to end a, you know, a two on base and have an opportunity to score. I hope we don't run into any of those issues. But that's the rules, right? And, and so you have to abide by the rules. You have to play by the rules, and you have to learn very quickly. And if it happens today, I can assure you it won't happen later on in the season because guys are pretty pretty good with picking up on what needs to be done. Uh, so they won't, they won't allow it to continue to happen. But we'll, we'll, we'll see what it looks like today. I interviewed Mark McGuire, and we're going to hear a portion of that interview coming up at 8 o'clock. And the entire interview can be seen on Sunday night on V101 on Sports on Fox 2. But we talked about the, the rules changes, and he said as big as the shift and not being able to have two people, shortstop and second baseman, on either side of the bag, he thinks that players having to have their feet in the dirt is as yeah. big a factor as having players not be able to be have two on e having to have two on each yeah. side of the bag. I, I think so. I agree with that as well. I mean, you you've seen how many hits got robbed by guys that, that you had that shortstop in, in short left field, right, or, or the, the second baseman like in a short softball right position. It's, it's, it Exactly, right? <laughs> it's like having 10 outfielders, and you got an extra guy. That's what it feels like or felt like, I'm sure, to some of those big-time pool hitters. And now you're going to have some, some spaces where when you hit a ball that – two years ago wasn't out, it's going to be a single or, or you might get it into the gap. It's going to be uh, uh, drastically different. And, and I think you'll be able to see, uh, we talked about Mason Wynn, he's not here now, but the, the athleticism that he has at shortstop, you're going to see more of those plays where guys are making those spectacular plays and, and having them get up and make throws. It's going to be fun to watch. Well, I have some good news for you. What do you got? Jordan Walker, we talked about Mason Wynn yesterday. Oh, what did he say? Because we talked about I, on social media when Jordan Walker made the opening day roster, uh -huh. Mason Wynn posted, congratulations, I'll see you soon. So Jordan Walker was asked about that, and he said, yeah, 
I'm ready for him to come up here, and That's I'm awesome. going to cheer him on just as much <laughs> as he cheered me on that for making awesome. it. I'm, I'm looking forward to those two. I mean, that, that's going to be your that's next. That's the new era. There you that go. That's the new era. There you go. They, you got Goldie and Arenado. Those guys, eventually, everyone gets old. Father time is undefeated, right? You got young guys that can come in and take over and, and, and really be in that role. Uh, and learn from two of the best to do it right now. Yeah. It's going to be great. Gates open at noon today. You need to be in their seat in your seats by two, so that you can see the parade and the Clydesdales and everything that goes on with opening day in St. Louis. It'll be an awesome day. We've got all the shows here at the Budweiser Brew House. Oh, by the way. The Blues are in action tonight. They oh, take yeah. on the Chicago Blackhawks in Chicago, and we'll have the action for you here on 101 ESPN. The Blues trying to stay on the winning track after their victory over Vancouver a couple of nights ago. That game tonight at 7.30, 6.30 pregame with Alex Ferrario and Joe Vitale here on 101 ESPN. And, of course, we're headed towards the weekend and more Battlehawks and more St. Louis City SC action as well. Uh, the, yeah, the Battlehawks uh, trying to, to keep things going. Coming up next year on 101 ESPN on the dawn of a new baseball season, we're going to give you our predictions. Bradford Bruns in for Matthew Rocchio today is going to note these predictions and then throw them in our face at midseason <laughs> and at the end of the season. Predictions sure to go wrong next on the opening drive from the Budweiser Brewhouse at Ballpark Village on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Kerry Davis, Brooke Grimsley, Randy Carricker, the opening drive on 101 ESPN from Ballpark Village. The Budweiser Brew House will be here until 10. Then BK and Ferrari will take over until 2. The fast lane from 2 to 6 here at Ballpark Village on 101 ESPN. It's the dawn of another baseball season. And so often we look at last year, guys, and we decide, okay, well, the teams that were good last year are going to be good this year. I don't think that's necessarily the case. And as we predict, as we get ready for the 2023 baseball season, I'm going to make some predictions that will shock you. Oh. So uh, let's start with this, guys. Let's start with our division winners in the National League. Okay. Kerry, who do you got? Well, I, I'm going to go in the National League. I'm going to go with the Cardinals, obviously, in the NL Central. Good call. I, You know, that NL East is going to be very, very difficult. It's going to be hard to go against the Braves. But I, Reese Hopkins is getting hurt, man. We'll go with the Philadelphia Phillies. Okay. And then in the West, uh, San Diego Padres. Okay. Brooke, who do you got? I'm going to go Padres as well for the West. <laughs> And then for the Central, I'm going to go with the Cardinals because I think that it makes sense. And then I'm not exactly set on anything. Maybe I'll just go with the Braves Okay, for That's NL East. Good call. And I will, in the East, make it three different teams because okay. I think the Mets overcome the loss of Edwin Diaz, mm. and I think they win the East. I do think that both the Padres and Cardinals win their divisions in the National League. So it's a clean sweep for the Cardinals and the Padres, and we each have a different division winner in the East. Kerry's got the Phillies, Brooke has the Braves, and I have the Mets. What about the wild cards in the National League? Well, the wild card is going to be... Um Can there you hear me? Oh, there we go. Yeah. Okay, I don't know what happened. There. Well, I do know what happened. <laughs> the wild card... Uh, you know, it, it's it may come out of the West as well in the in the Los Angeles Dodgers. Randy, I, I, I it hurts me to say this. It pains me to say this. The Chicago Cubs Ooh. might be a pretty good team this yeah, year. Yeah, they might be. They, they they may surprise. I think they'll be better than the Brewers, and they may surprise some folks this season. I have. Let's see. So you'd have Dodgers, Phillies, and Mets, right? 
Yep, they're, they're available to you. You going with all three? I'd have to go with the Mets, right? I mean, they spend a lot of money. I think that they'll overcome, as you mentioned, Diaz as well. Yeah, so they'll, they'll be good. I'm going to go in the National League. I'm going to take the Brewers with on the strength of their starting pitching, and I just think that that will carry them to a wild card. I'm going to take the Diamondbacks. Oh. They've got really nice front-of-the-rotation starting pitching. They've built up their bullpen. They, they made some really shrewd moves during the offseason. And then I'm going to go with the Braves as my third wild-card team. I think this is the end of the playoff run for the Dodgers. Hmm. I'm going to take the Diamondbacks, a, a phrase no one said since the 90s. Yeah, <laughs> right. So I, I think they're a wild-card team. I think, I think they're good enough. They've got a lot of really nice elements on that team. I think they're building it the right way under Mike Hazen. Okay, in the American League, guys, I'm going to take the team that the Cardinals are playing today, the Blue Jays okay. in the East. That's a really, really good ball club. I'm going to take the Twins on the strength of their offseason moves. They added to their starting pitching again. Correa is back. I don't mm -hmm. think that it, this is the year that he regresses. So I'm going to take the Twins as the Central Division winners, and then there's nobody else in the West except for the Astros. That's the only thing that really, that's the only ones out there that, that really matter. Yeah. I, I'm going to go with the Astros as well in the West. Um, I'm probably going to go the Yankees in the East. I think that they are, you know, it's hard to, to defeat the evil empire mm -hmm. year after year after year. They got a lot of great players. They paid for a lot of great players. So I'm going to go with the Yankees. And in the Central, um, Eh, I can pull those out of a hat. Maybe we go. Not to the Garden. twins. Twins. <laughs> twins might come out of the hat, but that's not going to be. Or not the twins. The Royals. Royals. Royals can come out of the hat, but that won't be right. I'll go go with the Guardians. <laughs> Guardians have good pitching. Yeah. I'm going to go Yankees as well for the East. I think that that just makes sense. AL West. Astros, as much as that pains me, mm -hmm. yeah. is does anybody else feel like you just don't want them to be successful? No, they're still? cheaters. They're, they're cheaters forever, uh, right? Uh, to me, but then also no you heard about that stuff with the Yankees too. That that kind of yeah. came out a little bit, but maybe the Astros were the only ones that got caught. So you got to cut them a little bit of slack. I don't know. And they've won enough. Um, and then I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with the Guardians as okay. my last. Okay, so my uh, three wild cards, and again, I'm going to stun you guys. I'm going to go with the Rays to be a wild card team. Okay. I'm going to go with the Guardians to be a wild card team. I'm going to go with the Baltimore Orioles Ooh. to be a wild card team this year. They made a significant move last year. They've got great young talent. They'll be there in September. And I think the Orioles keep the Yankees out of the playoffs. I think the Yankees' injuries to their starting pitching will devastate them. And I don't think the Yankees make the playoffs this year. Very interesting. I will go with the Twins as a wild card. I'm going to go with the the Mariners had a, had a, had a really good season last year. Yeah, finally making really the good. playoffs in a while. And I'm going to go with the shocker because we've talked about these guys and talked about these two specifically. This is the year that they finally figure mm. some things out. That would be the Los Angeles Angels. Of Anaheim. Of Anaheim. California. There you USA. Go. Good. That's <laughs> a good call. I'm going to do Rays, Blue Jays. And I like the Mariners a lot, too, because of what you mentioned, finally reaching yeah. the postseason for what was it, like 21 Yeah, since 2001. Yeah. yeah. And then also you have Julio Rodriguez over there, too. I like what he's doing. So I'm going to do Mariners with that one. That's a great call. They're a really good ball club. Now, pennant winners. I have the matchup of today in the World Series. I think in October we'll see Cardinals and Blue Jays. Oh, okay. For me, it's uh, it's going to be the Cardinals and because I picked them to win the World Series, right? I can't pull back. Well, you did. You did I, back I, I off back of it. it. I, I got a little Deion Sanders in me. Backed off of it a little, little bit. Deion Sanders. I backpedaled just a little bit. Uh I'm going to go with the Cardinals, and then I will go, you know, surprisingly, I'm probably going to go with the Twins. 
Oh, wow. Carnage yeah. Twins. 1987 yeah. Redux. Okay, good. I like the matchup today, too, a lot as well. Especially, well, depending on how things shake out with the Cardinals pitching staff, but I feel like you have enough options, too, where if you are missing a piece that they can do what they've done the past few years, go pick up something by the trade yeah. deadline. The Blue Jays, Dan, Dan Schulman, their great broadcaster, was in town yesterday telling us about Chris Bassett, their third starter. He said he calls his own game because he has eight pitches. Alec wow. Manoa was third in the American League Cy Young Award voting last year. Number two was Kevin Gossman, and he owns the Cardinals. And then number three in their rotation is Chris Bassett. They've got a really good rotation. Their lo- lineup is loaded. So I have the Blue Jays winning the World Series. Very nice. Really? Yeah. Over, oh. Well, maybe maybe I I, I'm going to oh, do really? the... Really, Randy? Oh. You're you going to say that right here. I just did what? On, on opening day. <laughs> what is going yeah. on? I said I just did. Yeah. Happy, <laughs> happy, happy opening day, St. Louis. Yeah, look at him. Look at what we're doing here. I was wondering here. why you're wearing Blue Jay stuff today on Cardinals <laughs> opening day. No. <laughs> By the way, Brooke, tell, tell everybody about this. Oh, yeah. You have on... He, okay, I know that... I wish we had something visual so you guys could see, but Randy is wearing his red pants his world famous i think we should say red pants inspired by michelle smallman so because opening day playoffs smalls always wears her red jeans and the cardinals always win when she wears them so when she left town i said you know what i got to pick up the tradition and so i got some red jeans from amazon where they have everything and (laughs) yeah so i wear my red jeans to opening day and playoffs even though you don't want to support Jeff Bezos and his billionaire antics, it's like you to. have to. I mean, yeah. they have everything, right? Yeah. So I don't know. So who do you guys have winning the World Series? I I, I know that it's going to be different, but I, I mean, I don't think it's different. I'm just going to go with I think Padres are going to win the World Series. Padres oh. are pretty dark. Sadly. Because mm. they have everything. Because also <sighs> it makes sense with what I'm going to say later on which I think it's going to be a battle between Soto and Nolan Arenado for National League mm. MVP. Mm. Yeah, okay. Soto should have a big year. Actually, I have Machado as my National League MVP. Well, I got the Cardinals I don't have a Cardinal. I have the Cardinals winning the World Series. Obviously. I like that. Good. That's Who you haven't beaten? Twins. Twins. Yeah, okay. they're beating the Twins. That, that's okay, my, good. That's my choice. Okay, so let's uh, zip through our award winners then. My MVPs, National League, Manny Machado, American League, obviously, Shohei Otani. I'm going to go with Nolan Arenado. For National League. Okay. And American League, it's hard to go against Shohei. I mean, I, I, but maybe Aaron Judge. I picked the Yankees to win that division. He may. I don't know if he hits another 60 home runs, but, you know, injuries happen, things happen. I'm going to go with Aaron Judge. If the Yankees win the division, he'll be the MVP. There you go. I'm going to go, I, and like I said, I keep looking at I have Soto and Nolan Arnato. I'm going to go with Arnato as the National League okay. MVP. I think he'll be really determined. And you have to do Shohei Otani. Yeah. You just have to, right? Right. I, uh, it's obvious. Yeah. Okay, Cy Young National League, I've got Darvish. I'm not going to go with Shohei Otani to win the American League Cy Young Award. I'm going with Framber Valdez, who just keeps getting better and better and better for Houston. I'm going to go with Valdez to be my American League Cy Young Award winner. I am going to go with Shohei to win the, the Cy Young. I, mm-hmm. he, I don't think he's going to. He can't win both, Randy. He can't do, he can't do everything all the time. Okay. I think and he can. He, I mean, maybe he, <laughs> he may be able to. We can't. And then my, my uh, Cy Young, close your ears, uh, Cardinal fans, it's going to be Sandy Alcantara. Okay. I didn't mean to say it out loud. Did That's I say okay. it out, Did they hear it? Yeah, I it's think they heard okay. it. Okay. We're, we're already there. Don't worry right. about it. I just, I, I just tried to whisper it. Yeah. Thank uh, you. Okay. We're right. keeping it quiet. Sandy. Okay. 
<laughs> I think everybody heard it. My my National League Cy Young, I think I'm going to go older, but Justin Verlander. Oh. How do you feel about Justin Verlander? I think he's going to be great. Now, my question about Verlander and Scherzer at the ages of 40 and 42 are they going to, or maybe 40 and 41, are, how good are they going to be in September? I think that he has a great chance to be the best pitcher in the National League from April through September, but I, I wonder if those guys will be able to hold up in September. Yeah, that that is a fair question because it feels like, especially with Scherzer, you want to see him in playoffs, but he, he was injured last yep. year. I, d- I don't know, but, I mean, either way, this one works out where yeah. at least he's good during the regular season. He I, won last year. Why I not? Feel like, yeah, I feel like Justin Verlander sometimes doesn't get enough credit in a lot of ways. I know that it's a name that's very well known, but sometimes I don't think that he gets enough credit for what he's able to do he's at a Hall his of Famer. age. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's been unbelievable. And then finally, Rookies of the Year. I think we're all going to take Jordan Walker, right, to be Indeed. National League Rookie of the Year? 100%. And I'm going to go with Gunnar Henderson of the Orioles, A, because I think the name is cool, and B, because <laughs> he's the number one prospect in baseball by many, even above Jordan Walker. So I'm going to go with Walker in the National League, Gunnar Henderson in the American League. I can, I'm with that. I can go with that. I, I like that, too. I think Jordan Walker, and the thing is, is even looking at a lot of other predictions, it seems like a lot of people – have him over Carroll's another name mm-hmm. that's out there as well but Jordan Walker I mean they're giving him chance that's a whole point of bringing him up this early they know that there's going to be some growing pains all that kind of stuff but even just talking to him yesterday like I was telling you guys earlier he is so just very mature for his age you could tell that he has you know a great perspective on this he's not going to get too overwhelmed he knows that even if there's things that come up adversity he's ready to work through it so I'm very impressed by him. And what do we think today? Do we think that he gets a hit, home run? What, what do we think? He gets his first major league hit today. Two for four. Double and a four. single. Oh, nice. And, and one RBI. Sounds good. If he gets a home run today, Woo. the oh, whole Bush Stadium Yeah, he'll left. hit 81 here in, in, <laughs> in Bush Stadium. Those are our predictions for 2023. Coming up, we're going to talk to our buddy Greg Amzinger about opening day here on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's go to the text or to the celebrity line. Greg Amzinger of MLB Network getting ready to join us on opening day. Big day for Greg, one of his favorite favorites of the year. Greg Amzinger, how are you doing this morning? I am doing great. You know, I, I'm a bit envious that uh, you guys are at a brew house already at this time on opening day. That sounds like something Amsinger would be doing. <laughs> I, I'm wondering, Randy, are you already wearing like face paint 
I know you're covered <laughs> in red, but is your face painted this early in the morning? Don't have any face paint yet, Greg. That's probably like a, with a 310 game, that's probably like a 240 proposition. <laughs> right, right, right. But I, I will, I, I've got It'll the cap right ready to go. I've got the, right. I've got the makeup in the car. You know the old Roger Clemens when he was with the Red Sox, that red war paint that he wore? I got, I got that ready to rock and roll. Good. And make sure you moisturize throughout the day so the, the face paint will actually settle well. And by the time the first pitch comes, it's glistening and everybody will want to take pictures with you. And it'll look good. That's I'm hoping, Greg, that they have, uh, for, the, for the kids, they have the, the face painting so that some face painter outside the ballpark can just put a little cardinal on my cheek. <laughs> <laughs> with eye black, with eye black and a little cardinal on your cheek. And make sure you text me a photo of this, okay? I, w- I will absolutely do that. Okay, i got to start with this. We just made our predictions. I said that the World Series is going to be a rematch of today and this weekend's opening series. Wow, I love that. I like that a lot. That's interesting. Um, I like the Blue Jays. I think Alec Mineau is a star. I absolutely adore him. He's one of my favorite players in the game. I can tell you why, but it'll take, wow, eight seconds. Uh, He came on after he pitched in the All-Star game. Remember, he wore a microphone. John Smoltz was telling him, like, what pitch to throw. And he sat on our set, did the A block, and then towards the end of the interview, bars and tone, we lost power. So this is the show that re-airs. I'm sitting there, and he's about to get up, and we're all panicking. I go, Alec, is there any way you could do that whole thing over again for us? And he sat there, he looked at me. His PR guy was like, no, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. I go, Alec, come on, man. Hook me up. And he goes, all right. He stayed on the set. It took forever to get power. He stayed on our set after the All-Star game. He was there for 31 minutes. 31 <laughs> minutes. Alec Manoa. I got an Alec Manoa jersey. That's how much I love the kid. He's an awesome human being. That said, my team to win the American League this year is a bit surprising. It's outside the box, and it's the Tampa Bay Rays. I've got the Rays going to the World Series. And I got to tell you, Kerry got me thinking about this. The injury to Edwin Diaz, I had the Mets going. I think yeah. the East is going to beat up on each other. I really do. I believe the, the Brewers are better than people think, and they're going to push the Cardinals in the Central. I think the Dodgers are way scaled back. There are games to win in the National League because the Dodgers aren't going to be anywhere near as good as they were in years past. People are rolling their eyes when I say that, but I don't believe they are. I think the Padres are one of the best soap operas in baseball. Uh, I don't believe they're going to win at all. They've got a lot going on there. I think the Cardinals go to the World Series. I really believe so. I think they're gonna, they've got the depth of trade for starting pitching at the deadline, which they'll do. I've got the Rays playing the Cardinals in the World Series. That's my World Series prediction. Well, we also made our picks for National League Rookie of the Year, Greg. And I think that you could probably predict how we all went with this one. With Jordan Walker, there's a lot of excitement for him being on this opening day roster, and he's going to be in the lineup today. Look, you predicted Alfred Pujols hitting 700 last season. What is your big prediction for the numbers for Jordan Walker this season? I love Jordan Walker, and I think the power is going to be there. I I think teams are already trying to get a book out on him. There are two debuts that I am having a hard time remembering are as significant as we're seeing today. Jordan Walker is being coined as the next Albert Pools. There's a kid playing shortstop in the Bronx today named Anthony Volpe that's being coined as the next Derek Cheater. To have these two guys make debuts as rookies for these stoic franchises, this is a special opening day. It is. I love both players. 
I think Jordan Walker hits 286 with 29 home runs, 79 RBIs. And the reason I say that is once he goes into some sort of skid, they're always going to have someone step in and get at bats. I don't see him playing 156 games. I don't. He's going to hit plenty of homers. His average isn't going to be at 300, although everyone would love to see that. I just think at the age of 20, if he was seasoned just a bit more, let's go crazy with Albert Poole's numbers and, and dream on 330 with 41 home runs. So as crazy as it sounds, the NL Rookie of the Year frontrunner in my book will only hit 29 home runs, won't hit 290, and he will barely get around 80 RBIs. Still good enough to win that award, but it's not going to be an MVP caliber type of year. Greg, I want to shift gears and talk about the pitching. Wayne Wright is going to miss opening day uh, on the IL. Michaelis is getting the start. Jack Flaherty hasn't been great during spring training. Is there any cause for concern for you with the starting pitching for the Cardinals right now? Yeah. I mean, Woodford was really good at spring training. He was one of the more surprising pitchers I saw all spring. Hey, he's going to slide in and get a chance to be in the rotation to start things off. But as you look at the marathon, which is what this is, and you're going to compare yourself to other teams, I mean, the Chicago Cubs are taking a different approach. With the ship gone, they're a pitch-to-contact rotation. They're, they, they, want, they want to miss barrels. They want double plays. They want to keep people, you know, they want a different alternative to what everyone else is doing. I don't think that's the Cardinals' M.O. That's not what they're trying to do. But I've always believed in swing and miss. You can't win the World Series with a starting rotation that's pitch-to-contact. It just, it, it's, it's not going to happen. It may have happened in 2006 for the Cardinals, but it's not happening anymore in the game. So, like I said before, with the surplus of young position player talent that they have, they're going to have to make a move at some point. I know it's, I hate saying you have to do something on opening day because anybody can come out and surprise you, but I just don't think this team has enough starting pitching depth to go as far as we're all predicting they can go, and they should go there. And we're talking about a rookie of the year front runner. Everyone believes that in Jordan Walker with two of the three NL MVP finalists coming back on your team. The bullpen should be ready to go like locked for bear. Helsley's got a lot to prove after what happened last year, the way it ended. I, I just, uh, this is the only question mark. So they're going to make a move. They could get two pitchers before this year's over, uh, but that's what they're going to address. They know exactly what they need to address, which is a good thing. Most teams have, plenty of areas where they're lacking depth the Cardinals have won who do you think would be a good fit for the Cardinals pitching wise that is kind of a name that would be possibly floating out there well I, everyone goes to the Marlins immediately <laughs> everyone goes so look at all the Marlins starting pitchers <laughs> look at all the Cincinnati Reds starting pitchers the Pittsburgh Pirates starting pitchers the kid that's going today to have on opening day for the Pirates ended the year his second half was actually really really good I think uh, Keller has a chance to be a mid-range rotation guy with swing and missed stuff. Hey, he's got a big arm. I, I like him a lot. But, unfortunately, you're looking at teams that are not going to be in the mix. And, and that is already, even though we've expanded the postseason, you, you kind of already know who doesn't have a shot. And uh, that, that's how hard this game is. 162 games, the cream clearly, clearly rises to the top. So, uh, to, to make it, I, I don't even want to make the statement yet as Cardinals would look at. They've got enough right now. Uh, it's not panic, mayday, mayday, to make a move for a starting pitcher. And with one thing we've learned with starting pitching, it's such a fickle thing. Whoever I name will probably go on the shelf for a shoulder injury or Tommy John. <laughs> We're still a ways away from finding out who's going to survive this health-wise. 
But uh, the Cardinals are definitely going to be a team that will be one of the first trade to make a trade. I, I've already made a prediction who the first player to be traded will be, and that is Tony Kemp of the Oakland A's. I've got a lot of predictions. But Tony Kemp with, uh, with the, the defensive shifting being restricted, base stealing uh, going to be uptick with the new bigger bases. He checks all the boxes, and the Oakland A's are going to be terrible this year. So I think Tony Kemp is the first player traded. All right, Greg, you have the ballpark cam at MLB Network. You're sitting there watching every single pregame ceremony. Where does Bush Stadium in St. Louis rank as far as pregame ceremonies on opening day? It's number one. And if, if you argue with that, you've never stood next to a Clydesdale. <laughs> I stood next to one. And it was like, this is the closest thing I've ever been to a dinosaur. Like an animal this big is unreal. And just to stare at them as they trot around the the, the <laughs> the the field is just ridiculous. It's classic. It's it, it, it takes us back to our childhood. Uh, the Cardinals do tradition as well as anybody. They just do, maybe better than anybody. And that's why we've all just drank the Kool-Aid from the day we were in diapers. Like Cardinal baseball is different. It's special. The red jackets, the Cardinal Hall of Famers. People in St. Louis almost don't care who gets into Cooperstown because, you know, we've got our Cardinal Hall of Famers. It's just, it's a different culture. We speak a language no one truly understands. And to watch the Clydesdales ride around and come on in around the warning track, to me, it's, it's, it's number one. But I am biased. I am biased. Hey, hey, but, Greg, to your point, Mark McGuire will be here today, and he'll get a monstrous ovation. And he's not in the Hall of Fame. He's not going to the Baseball Hall of Fame. But he was elected by these fans as a Cardinal Hall of Famer. And that goes to your point. This is different than, than any other place because we love our guys. It's, I mean, think about where you are right now. Think about where everyone listening to this show is right now. And think about what went through their mind when they were getting dressed to go to work. They were like, I got to wear Cardinal red. I got to wear a Cardinal something. I've got everybody's walking around in a jersey today. Like they, only St. Louis do grown adults walk around in baseball jerseys <laughs> all day long. And not just baseball jerseys, like the obscure Cardinal jerseys. I love watching the creative, loyal fans. The guy that's wearing the Rex Hudler Cardinal jersey, the Joe McEwing Cardinal jersey, the Geronimo Pena Cardinal jersey, the Luis Alisea Cardinal jersey. Like Those are real fans, and they like to flex their fandom on a day like today. And in St. Louis, they do it every day. But, yeah, there's nothing like Cardinal baseball. So, Greg, you talked about fans actually going to work today. Randy, Brooke, and myself are, are working on making this a local holiday where no one has to work. Are you willing to join our group and put this forward so that no one has to work, no school? It's a, national, it's a, it's a local holiday, maybe national. I think Cardinals are a national team, but definitely a local holiday where no one has to go to school and no one has to go to work on this day because who wants to miss this? I, you know what? I'm with you, but let's just <laughs> – I, I think the answer is right in front of our nose. Okay. Okay. I think everyone should go to work and okay. everyone should go to school. But like the three of you, everyone should go to work and go to school at a brew house ah. on opening day <laughs> in St. Louis. Because we've all learned from COVID, we can learn and work anywhere. Indeed. So in St. Louis on opening day, everyone goes to school and, and they've got they've got non-alcoholic drinks for all you teachers out there that are rolling your eyes. <laughs> and all the adults work and kids go to school from a brew house. In St. Louis, when Anheuser-Busch made the Cardinals what they are, it's the way it should be. You guys are hardworking right now. 
I mean, yes. I, can, I can hear the sweat dripping <laughs> off your forehead. So right. if the three of you, if the three of you are going to be working this hard, everyone in St. Louis should be too. Greg, just quick question playing off of that. Are you a Budweiser, Bud Light, or uh, Bud Select guy? What a great, great, great St. Louis question. Can we make this <laughs> the new? Can we make this the new St. Louis question? I don't need to know where you went to high school. I got over that a while back. The new question of St. Louis it is what beer did you drink and do you still drink? I'm going to tell you an image that blew me away. I was I was interning for Randy Carricker, and he had me go and get sound. I had to go get sound after Will Clark, another home run. Remember when Will Clark came to the Cardinals, and he was like the best 40-year-old player you've ever seen in your life, and he hit over 340? Well, I went, and I couldn't wait. He was one of my favorite players growing up. And I see Will Clark sitting outside his uh, locker, and he's got a towel wrapped around him. And I mean, and I know, I know Will. Like it is. Maybe the worst professional athlete body I'd ever seen in my life. It was unbelievable. I was like, this guy's a professional athlete? Are you kidding me? And there was a bucket. There was a bucket of beers next to him, and they had ice all over it. And before he answered any question, he slammed six bush lights. And I was like, wow. <laughs> And from that day forward, I committed myself to drinking Bush Light. And to this day, if I see a Bush Light, I'm in. I am in. Greg, I, I love that story. And you know what? I, I love the fact that people remind me, and Chris Kerber does, and so many people that were interns of mine or producers of mine, I'm so proud of the fact that I gave you hands-on experience and let you really do the job that we we all do. I didn't want you just sitting in a studio and watching TV and doing stuff like that. I'm I'm really proud of the fact that I allowed you to get out and do stuff like that. Thank you. Thank you. It, it, it gave me the confidence that I belonged, and, and then it also taught me what I needed to get ready for, which was lots of bush light. If I'm going to connect with <laughs> these athletes, if I'm going to speak their language, I need to have the great beer. And in all seriousness, you know, there were many people that were allowing snot-nosed kids like us to run around a market like St. Louis, like Randy Carriker did. So it, it, I think it all worked out. I mean, I, some of us, yeah. some of us lost our way for a while, but uh, you have really, you, you gave us the freedom to to make mistakes, and that is the key in this business because it's all coming, man. Everyone botches it. You're not going to be perfect in media. So you need someone like Randy on your side who's going to be okay with you when you do royally screw up, which inevitably is going to happen. What time are you on today with MLB Tonight? I am on at 7 p.m. Eastern, a three-hour extravaganza. And I don't know if anybody in St. Louis knows this, but, but it, it's a bittersweet opening day. This is it. It's the end of an era. Harold Reynolds is on the early MLB Tonight. So the Greg, Harold, and Dan late night MLB tonight has come to an end. Harold is, is reinventing the early MLB tonight. So the late night's going to be me, Dan Plesak, and a revolving uh, you know, list of analysts. So uh, I wish Harold the best. It's going to be amazing to see what he does on the early. But it's the end of an era, man. He's in his 60s now. He can't party till 1 o'clock in the morning with me every night. <laughs> well, we'll I mean, be come on. To, yeah. you, we'll you, be you got to be able to drink Swish Light. To party till one o'clock in the morning every night on TV. You learned that early, and you're preserving that thought process. And I'm glad that you're you're spinning it forward for everybody. 
Oh, thank you. I appreciate that, Randy. Hey, opening day is a holiday. It is a holiday. I want everyone to enjoy themselves. Remember, remember that what you have in St. Louis is special. It's different than every other team in this sport. So enjoy what your parents enjoyed and your grandparents enjoyed before you. There's no booing in St. Louis. There's nothing but positive vibes. And even if Alec Manoa throws a two-hit gem, which we all hope he doesn't, but even if he does, remember, baseball's back. We're all together in ballparks, and let's never take it for granted again. Very well said. You're the best. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Greg. All right. Take care, guys. That is the man, Greg Amzinger. He's on at 6 o'clock St. Louis time tonight on MLB Tonight. A three-hour extravaganza, as he said. We've got a quick Teoli coming up on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. All right, we're going to have time for a few texts on the text line. So uh, send in your text right now here on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Kerry, Randy, and guys, I'll have a simple one. Take it or leave it. A Cardinal steals a base today. Oh. I'm going to take that. I'll take it as well. Tommy right. Edmond. Um, can't go wrong with Tommy nah, Edmond. Nah, you can't go pick wrong with so. that. Yeah. yeah, we'll go like, Tommy Edmond. Yeah, I like Tommy Edmond. I'll, I'll go with that as well. I was okay. at first going to say Jordan Walker, but I don't want to see that. I don't either. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> don't, don't want to see that happen. Sneaky one. Paul Goldschmidt. You know, Goldie stole 30 bases one time. He can, and, and I think it's three years since he's been thrown out trying to steal a well, base. Let's go with Goldschmidt. Make some something impressive good. happen on opening day. Good call. I like that. Yeah. I, I, I we'll go Goldie. Uh, Randy, we've talked a lot about Goldschmidt. We've talked a lot about Arenado. We've talked about Jordan Walker. Tyler O'Neill, is he going to be healthy? Take it or leave it. The person that has one of the best seasons this year is Wilson Contreras. I'm going to take that. Sneaky. He's yeah. just kind of sliding under the radar after the big splash signing in the offseason. The concern about what are we going to do now that now that Yachty is no longer our, our mainstay behind the plate. Wilson Contreras has just been just, just there. Just going to be consistent. But he's going to have a fantastic year. And I guess one of the best things that has happened is Jordan Walker happened for him because yeah. no one has been worried about Wilson Contreras. We've been talking about everything else. I'm excited to see what he does today and the entire season. Yeah, I would say, so if you're saying, like, probably maybe in, like, top five numbers offensively. Top three. Top three. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, I think and he'll be up there. I don't know top three, but I'll, I'll put him up there uh-huh. in offensive numbers. So okay. Maybe top five. But he is super impressive. By the way, he showed off his cleats yesterday that he got – to honor Yadier Molina. Oh, that's awesome. He called Yadi his idol. And it was just really cool to see that he had cleats specially made to honor Yadi. That's great. That's so cool. that that was awesome. I thought I think also to your point too, it's huge that he decided to stay for spring training. He mm-hmm. said he wanted to go play in the World Baseball Classic, but he knew how important it was to really get to know these right. players and right. pitchers better. So I think that's big. So Greg Amsinger did not want to put a name to, you know, a pitcher that the Cardinals might pursue. I'm going to put a name out there that's been floating around for a while that I think would be a logical fit for the Cardinals, say that they do decide that they need to go get another starting pitcher, and that's Shane Bieber. 
it makes a lot of sense, especially if you can, you have, this is the thing, you have all this depth. Do you like to part with players? No. But if it works out and this is the pitching staff needs help, I think Shane Bieber is a perfect pit, a fit because, look, playing a one-year contract worth a little over $10 million, he has a year of arbitration remaining, and he'll be a free agent in 2025. I will take that. I think that's a great call. He fits the mold of what the Cardinals would be looking for. Now, the system that the that the uh, gar- Guardians have is absolutely loaded. I was going to call them the Indians. <laughs> they, they have a lot of really good players that kind of, mirror what the Cardinals have, mm-hmm. but I think the Cardinals could return a major league ready starting pitcher to them. So yeah, that makes sense. I, you know, whether it's McGreevy or Libertor or both, I think the Cardinals could give the Guardians something that they really want. It's a great call, Brooke. Yeah. Uh, let's get to a couple of texts. Our buddy Bradford Bruns in for Matthew Rocchio today. Bradford, how you doing? Good morning. Happy opening day, everybody. Hey, the listeners are very ambitious this morning. Take it or leave it. Tyler O'Neill has the first 40-40 season since Alfonso Soriano. I'm going to leave Ooh. that one. 40-40, yeah. Eh, 20-20. I know that, uh, <laughs> 30, 30. I, I, I know that Tyler had a great offseason preparing to not be injured this year. Yeah. But I also still think he's a hamstring waiting to happen unless I see otherwise. Which, which one do you think is more likely, though, 40 home runs or 40 stolen bases? 40 home runs. Easy. Really? Yeah. Really, yeah, I, I think on on stolen base number sixteen, he'll he'll pull a hand. I would have said it's forty <laughs> stolen bases is no. more likely than, than the forty home. I'd runs. like it. He had thirty four <laughs> two years ago, though. He had thirty four right. thirty four bombs two years ago. All right, what do we got? As for a key cog coming back from injury, take it or leave it. Helsey will have under thirty saves because the Cards' offense will just be too darn good to let the opponents get those opportunities. Oh, that's a good reason. Um, well, Randy and I have them scoring eight runs a game. So yeah. if the opposing team is only getting two, I guess you, you don't have many save opportunities. Our starting there. pitching is our starting yeah. pitching, though. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Is that the concern, I don't know if the Randy? Offense is going to be the issue here. Are we going to have like a blues situation where offensively they can score, but defensively? Yeah, a few, few 8 6 victories mixed in there. Just keep it on the yeah. ground. As long as it's not going over the wall, I think we're okay. Yeah. Redford, let's get one more. Absolutely. And we'll conclude with this. Oh, take it or leave it. Tyler O'Neill in actuality lands on the aisle by Memorial Day. I'll take it. No, he has been doing yoga. He has been stretching the lengthening of the muscles. When you're so strong and doing a lot of power lifting, your, your, your muscles are very contracted. He's stretched those things out. He's going to last the entire season. Maybe a 10-day stint on the IL at one point, but it won't be because of a hamstring. Maybe because of a, 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 a an ankle or a foul a foul ball, tip ball, something like that. Something that it hit a bone. But we won't. We're, we're not going to speak uh, hamstring, calf, back issues into the in, into the equation. We're going to be positive. I woke up this morning, Randy, with a with a with a feeling of just confidence, and I'm going to spread that to everyone I come across today. So we're going to have a great day, Tyler O'Neill. We're going to have a great day. We're ready to roll. Let's go, Tylo. Okay, two things about <laughs> yoga. Number one, it's the best exercise in the world. Any exercise where you take a nap at the end is great. As I, I do agree. Okay. But Unless it's hot yoga, then it's, uh, it's unbearable. But we'll continue. I, I, <laughs> I am on the verge of falling every time I do yoga. Really? Because I just don't, my balance isn't good. Oh, no. How are you? I, I would imagine, that Brooke, I'm, you're brilliant I'm, at yoga. No, I'm actually terrible at it. I'm not flexible I, oh. at all. I play tennis, but I, I never did the gymnastics, dance, or any of that stuff. But 
I pulled a hamstring doing yoga oh, in no. Atlanta when I was playing. I, I pulled it really bad. I, I don't know if you know this about me, Randy Brooke. I'm, I'm extremely competitive, right? Mm -hmm. So we're in a hot yoga studio, and it's probably six men in there, and there's 40 women, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm first day. I, I'm, I'm competitive, though. So all of us <laughs> men, competitive I, I, yoga. <laughs> competitive I see, yoga. I see people doing stretches, and I'm like, I can do that. I feel something pull. I'm like, oh, that's not good. But I was so tired. That I wouldn't, but I wouldn't stop. I wouldn't be in a little pride. I wouldn't be the first gentleman to take a knee. And the lady said, anytime you get tired, take a knee, stop, whatever you need to do. The first man dropped, four other men dropped. I was the fifth. We all just, we just stopped at one, all at once. But I did pull a hamstring, almost <laughs> missed training camp because I pulled a hamstring doing hot yoga just because of my competitive nature, thinking that if I tried to go a little bit further, I could get in that position. Clearly, my body said, no, thank you, sir. Who competes in yoga? <laughs> I can get it. Like, because you don't want to be the person in the back struggling, you know? Like, you want to be keeping I, up with everybody. I wanted to do what they were doing. It, Damn it, I should do it, too. That's how I feel. Thanks to Bradford Brothers. Thanks for your text. We do appreciate it. Hey, this is an unbelievable number. Mark McGuire hit 70 home runs 25 years ago. 25 years ago. This is the anniversary of the summer of 70 in 1998. I interviewed Big Mac for our one-on-one uh, one -on -one sports show on Sunday nights on Fox 2. And we'll hear a portion of that interview next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Happy opening day. It's 8.09 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Kerry Davis, Brooke Grimsley, Randy Carricker, and coming up on the 101 on Sports on Sunday night on Fox 2, I'll have a visit with former Cardinal slugger Mark McGuire. This is the 25-year anniversary of Big Mac season of 70 home runs. Incredible that it's been that long. And we started our conversation by asking Big Mac about staying in St. Louis. He, along with Nolan Arenado, left a lot of money on the table to remain Cardinals. What was the mindset behind Big Mac's decision? I just don't think it's a secret anymore. It's, I mean, I didn't know back then, you know, uh, back in 97 when I was traded, until I stepped on the field there in, in Bush Stadium, old Bush Stadium. And and the love, the knowledge, um, the fan base, Cardinal Nation. I've grown up in California. I mean, Nolan grew, grew up 20 minutes from me here in Orange County. And, and then you get a taste of that. And, yeah, there, there's – I mean, listen, it's not all about money. I mean, the, I know the money's great right now, but it's not about money. It's about love. It's about the team culture. Um, it's about the fan base, and there is nothing better than Cardinal Nation. And I know that you keep uh, at least a, a reasonably close eye on this team. You don't know everything about it, but what do you think about this ball club? I think it's going to be very competitive. I mean, they still have some question marks. They still have some kids that have to rebound from years that didn't, that weren't up to their standards. Um, and then you you have a, this young stud that's coming that just got the good word the other day. And um, I mean, he's just going to be who knows what kind of force he's going to be. Um, I hope they don't find any holes and I hope he has an Albert Pujols rookie year.
And Mark, you've told this story before. I want you to tell it again because Jordan Walker came to camp with the hopes of making the team. I want to tell, want you to tell the story about your interactions with, with Tony and Walt after that spring of 01 with Albert. Well, it, it was really, it, it, it's, it's simple. It's like when you see talent, it, age doesn't matter. Um, you see the confidence. You see, I've heard nothing but great things about Jordan. You know, the way he carries himself and the, the way he speaks and how humble he is. But when he's, when he's in that box and out there playing, he, he wants to take your heart out. Um, that's, that's a winner right there. Obviously, he's going to have the ups and downs. But to get back to, to 01, I mean, Albert was doing everything he can to make the ball club. You know, back then, we didn't really realize and understand how, uh, what the minor league was like. There wasn't all this information like there is today. I mean, now they have, they televise the draft. You know what's going on in college ball. You know what's going on in high school ball. You didn't have all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, this kid, Albert Poulos, comes into camp and, <laughs> and you sit there and you go, wow. I mean, guys like this, talent like this just doesn't come around. We were talking before we started this conversation, 25 years ago since you hit 70 home runs. Can you take us through what it was like? Because we all expected you to hit 62 home runs in 1998. What was that offseason like for you? It was a normal offseason. There was a little bit more things they had me do. I know I was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Is this this year? Is it the year that I was going to break 62? Now, listen, let's go back to 87. I was tabbed. After having 33 home runs at the All-Star break as a rookie in 87, I was tapped to do break this record all the way back then. Now, fast forward to 98 or going into 98 on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and everybody talks about the Sports Illustrated jinx, you know. I just knew I had to average 10 home runs a month, um, and I knew I was going to get there. And you know you're going to have you know, one month that's going to be well over 10. Um, and I just didn't want to have a month where I had like two or three. And, and really it is. It, it, listen, everybody that puts on the spikes in the uniform, they're, they're all talented. They all have some special talent. They're going to be really good. But the separator is in between the years. So, Mark, with, with that being the case, I, I've told you before that I can still see that ball on opening day against Romo Martinez, the grand slam going out of the ballpark. It was just a perfect, glorious Bush Stadium day. It was the ideal Cardinal opener. So do you, with as focused as you were, remember that in your mind's eye? Can you still see a home run like that? Yeah, that was, yeah, that was crazy. That was, that was pretty close to floating on the <laughs> and not having my feet on the ground that day. Do you get to 70 if Sammy isn't chasing you? Great question. I don't know. Well, I don't think we'll ever know, but I didn't want him to, you know, he passed me that Friday night. I mean, mm -hmm. think about that. And it, and it, it sort of pissed me off. I remember <laughs> I was out on the field. He was in Houston and I heard the crowd because they all had the they all had the TVs on. The TVs weren't on for the game in uh, in St. Louis. The TVs were on the game watching Sammy play in uh, Houston. And I remember, I remember the crowd go, "Oh!" I go, "You've got to be kidding me!" Because you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, "Okay, I was the first one to break the record." And then he came up, and he technically broke the record. But, I mean, it's like, what would have happened if, like, he overtook that? He has the record. I had to put my mind into another gear. I was, like, going, there's no way I'm allowing this to happen. 
not knowing that I was going to hit five home runs in the last three games of the season. Hey, I want to touch on one other thing about that season, because the other one that we all, I, I tell people all the time, my favorite sports thing that I've been at is number 62. What's your strongest memory of that night against the Cubs and Traxel? Man, it was a bullet down the line, which I thought it was a pure double off the wall. I, t- I, you know, I, I think back a lot. I just wish it was one of those majestic 500 footers. I really do. But, you know, Traxel, you know, I mean, he had a nasty sinker slider, um, but I, I, I liked hitting off him. And I knew it was just a matter of waiting for a sinker that he sort of tugged over the middle a little bit and it came right back in. You know, I was, a, I loved down and in, down and in pitches. And, and, and sinkers, sinker ball really played into my swing very, very well. I think that was because I was such a, a good golfer back in the day and I loved hitting drives and, I practiced that all the time when I was a kid. So, but it, to me, it was just a matter of just the patience of getting that stinker, not even knowing that it was going to be one of my shortest home runs of my of that of that year. Excuse me, but uh, I just remember running on the line and getting up, and I just see Dave McKay jumping in my way, and I was like, and I I don't know if I missed first base or not, but I just that's why I sort of went back. I think I got my toe on it, but. Obviously, today, if they have replay, you probably would see that. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it was just running around the bases and, and, and the players just, like, standing there and, you know, clapping or trying to shake your hand or something. It was just like it was something that you just don't you don't see or hear about. Mark McGuire with us. And, Mark, we want to talk about some of the rules changes because I wanted to ask you earlier, when you talked about how you were focused in on a pitcher, I think one of the – underrated aspects to the pitch clock is that the hitter with eight seconds on the clock has to has have his eyes on the pitcher is that going to be difficult you think for some of the hitters that do a lot of thinking at the plate it might be for the first two three four weeks of the season everybody will get used to it i you know i was doing a, a interview like this a couple weeks ago and i was talking about that i don't know where they came up with the eight seconds and i don't you know if you if the hitter's in the box and he's in there He's in there. So what does it matter if he's looking at the pitcher or not? I love the pitch clock. I love how things speed up. Um, that's the one thing that I really believe is going to really help the game of baseball. And a lot of people are going to understand how great it is to, to see a two-and-a-half-hour game, a two-hour game. Uh, you, you get to get home in the earlier hour as a, as a fan, as a player. Uh, it's going to be a clean game. I just love it. You coached when the shift was in place, not as prevalent as it was last year, but obviously, especially for left-handed hitters, the shift was a big deal. What do you think of the new shift rules? I love them. I love them. This is one thing I wish they would have done. I don't mind the shift, right? I just didn't like the guy playing in the rover out behind in short right field. That's just absolutely ridiculous. Now, I know Boston did it earlier in spring training where they brought the left fielder in against Joey Gallos. Actually, I was watching that game that day. I think what they should do, and they might do it someday, I think I think all the infielders should have their feet on the dirt. I totally agree with that. And I can care less if you have a shift over as long as they're on the dirt. Hey, Mark, I want to wrap up with this. And I know the answer to the question, but I like asking it anyway, because I know the affinity that you have for the fans. And you come back on opening day every year because you are a member of the Cardinals Hall of Fame. And I just want you to tell Cardinal Nation, because I already know how much it means to you to have that red jacket and be a member of the Cardinal Hall of Fame. 
it's the greatest feeling that I can have. It, it's like the chills I get and get on a car and drive out through the, the right center field uh, opening in the fence and, and to get on the, the, the tarmac and then to the warning track and just drive around and they announce your name. It's just, it's the greatest feeling that I could ever experience. So I thank them for voting me into the Hall of Fame uh, in St. Louis and uh, love forever. Hey, you're the best. Thanks so much for the time. Great to have you with us and always great to visit with you, Mark. Thank you. Randy, thank you very much for having me. That's our friend Mark McGuire. Good to hear from him. He will be in the parade today. 25 years since he hit number 70 and 12 years since he was the hitting coach for the 2011 World Champions. Wow. I so. mean, that was that was such a special moment. Just to hear him talking about the fans and the Red Jacket Club, all that kind of stuff. It, it was just, you could tell the emotion in his voice that he cared so much about that yeah, and he, what it means to him. And you see it when the guys come out there, how emotional they get. Right. And then the fans love him back. That's the cool thing. Randy, 20, 25 years is madness to me. I, I don't know how <laughs> we got to this point. I, I, 25 years ago, Randy, come on. That's not real. Hey, when you told me that earlier this year, I, I almost fell out of my chair to hear it again. It does not seem like it was that long ago. It was such a spectacular moment in, in sports in baseball, in Cardinals baseball history, um, and just great times to to be able to witness that and be a part of that. Just those two going back and forth each game, it felt like, you know, who's going to take the home run lead? Who's going to be the home run leader uh, when it's all said and done? It was it was a spectacular time. It was so much fun. Kerry, Brooke, Randy, coming up a quick visit with John Kelly before the Blues play the back Blackhawks tonight. Later on in our show, we're going to hear from Bob Costas, also John Mozeliak coming your way here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis and Brooke Grimsley, I'm Randy Carricker from the Budweiser Brewhouse at Borough Park Village. Opening day for the Cardinals. They take on the Toronto Blue Jays this afternoon at 310. And then your St. Louis Blues in action tonight, 730 at the United Center in Chicago. The Blues and the Blackhawks and John Kelly, the TV voice of the Blues, joins us now on 101 ESPN. JK, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys today? Everything's outstanding. I, I tell you what, J.K., I look at these last four or five games for the Blues, 6-5, It's like we're in the late 80s, early 90s again. Yeah, you're right. They've scored 49 goals in their last 11 games, so it's been a lot of fun uh, leading the league in goals in that span. So I'm not really sure exactly why, but I do know that the players that the Blues acquired near the deadline, you know, Kappen and Verona and and reacquiring Sammy Blay have all played really well. And I think after a bit of a period of mourning, if you will, after the trades, I think the Blues have found some chemistry, and they're scoring a lot of goals and a lot of goals off the rush. So it's been a lot of fun to watch, and we'll see if it continues tonight against Chicago, a team that obviously was a seller at the deadline, and right now obviously not, not a lot of skill in their lineup. Well, John, we also saw last night it came out, the Blues put out that Robert Thomas and Pavel Buchnevich will not be playing in Chicago today with upper body injuries. When did those happen, and is there any cause for concern there? Well, they finished the game, as far as I know, and, you know, there's always concern with upper body injuries, right, Book? Um, I do know that Buchnevich got hit fairly hard 
into that rounded glass near the Vancouver bench. And, you know, he, he was stung, and you could tell that the hit hurt him. Um, but as far as I know, he came back and played in the game and finished the game. So, um, But obviously sometimes these, these hits can have um, effects that are a bit delayed. So to answer your question, um, I'm not sure exactly what the issue is, um, but I would suspect, especially with Bujanavich, that, you know, it's some type of head injury based on that hit I saw. Hey, John, coming down the stretch here, eight games left. I, I want to know your thoughts on this. Which one, obviously you want them to continue to play well, but which one is more important, winning games to keep getting the continuity and the feel going into next season or playing well enough but maybe not winning as many games for a chance for a better draft pick? Um, well, you always want to get a, a higher draft pick and you, you get better odds for the lottery. So um, quite honestly, that probably would be what the fans would prefer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the organization would never say we want to lose or the coaches, the players, but um, that's just a fact is that you get a better draft choice. So I don't want to say tonight coming into the game and, you know, broadcasting the game, I want the Blues to lose. I really don't want that. Um, and I'm excited when they win and, and when they play well. But, you know, those are just the facts. You get a better draft choice. And the lottery this year has Connor Bedard, who is a superstar. Mm-hmm. At least he should be a superstar. So, um, obviously, the team with the, with, uh, the luck at the lottery will, will get him or get a chance to pick him. So, um, you know, I guess that's my answer. You, you want to win, but if you did happen to lose all eight games, which I don't, I don't think they will, it wouldn't be the end of the world. And finally, John, you mentioned the Blackhawks really struggling and they just don't have a lot of great players right now. And no Blackhawks fan would give back the three Stanley Cup championships. But the way that they tried to sustain things is kind of a cautionary tri- uh, tale, in my mind, for other successful franchises because they really did box themselves into a corner with those contracts for Crawford, Seabrook, Keith, Taves, Kane, and they really haven't been able to break out. Yeah, um, but they won three cups, Randy, right in six years. So, you know, you have to balance what you with the players. And, and that's that's the biggest problem with the, the salary cap is when you have teams that have a lot of success, like the Blackhawks did in, you know, 10, 13, and 15, you got to reward those players. So, you know, they probably held on to some of these guys too long, um, but that's hindsight. And now, you know, they've traded Kane. They traded the Brinkett last summer. They just traded Max Domi. They don't have a lot of left, left right here on the current roster. So this is going to be a total rebuild here in Chicago. And unless something drastic happens in a positive way, it's going to be a, a long road back to respectability in the playoffs for this team because complete rebuilds are, are very painful and they're tough. Very tough. No doubt. John Kelly, always good to hear your voice. We'll be tuned in tonight on Valley Sports, uh, Valley Sports Extra for the Blues and the Blackhawks. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. See you later. That's J.K., voice of the Blues on Valley Sports. And so tonight with the Cardinals being in action, uh, Valley Sports main channel will have the Cardinals Mm -hmm. and the Blue Jays, and then Valley Sports Extra will have the Blues and the Blackhawks. The fight is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner. Joe Listener, and in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive, please welcome Randy Carricker. 
Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. And Brooke, we have a fight on our hands, and our fighter today is Keith. Keith, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Are you ready to take on Megamind in this tough challenge that we have? Uh, as ready as I'm going to be. All right, here we go. For the first time since 1968, all 30 Major League Baseball teams are scheduled to play on opening day. In that year's World Series, the Tigers defeated the Cardinals in seven games. Who was the MVP of that fall classic? Was it Mickey Lolich, Al Kaline, or Denny McClain? Mickey Lolich, final answer. All right, the great Matthew Rocchio has shunned opening day in St. Louis in favor of watching his beloved Nuggets play in the Valley of the Sun, which is crazy. Who is Denver's <laughs> franchise all-time leading scorer? Is it Carmelo Anthony, Alex English, or Nikola Jokic? Could you repeat it one more time? The great Matthew Rocchio has shunned opening day in St. Louis in favor of watching his beloved Nuggets play in the Valley of the Sun. That would be Arizona. Who is the Denver franchise's all-time leading scorer? Carmelo Anthony, Alex English, or Nikola Jokic? Alex English, final answer. In just under seven hours, the Cardinals opened their 2023 season against the Toronto Blue Jays. Who was the last Cardinal starter to take a loss on opening day? Kyle Loesch, Adam Wainwright, or Miles Michaelis? Complete guess. I'll say Miles Michaelis. Golf's first major of the year, the Masters, takes place next week at Augusta National. Who was the last player to capture the green jacket by winning a playoff? Will that be Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, or Sergio Garcia? I'm sorry, repeat it one more time. Golf's first major of the year, the Masters, takes place next week at Augusta National. Who was the last player to capture the green jacket by winning a playoff? Is that Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, or Sergio Garcia? Phil Mickelson. All right. We have our answers. It is time for Randy to reappear. Randy, say hello to Keith. Keith, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Megamind. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Happy opening day. Thank you very much. I feel 25 years older after this morning. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Randy, you ready? Ready. All right, here we go. For the first time since opening since 1968, all 30 major league teams are scheduled to play on opening day. In that year's World Series, the Tigers defeated the Cardinals in seven games. Who was the MVP of the Fall Classic? I believe it was, uh, by the way, I don't think there were 30 teams in 1968. Hey, I just read the uh, questions. So. We, we just read. We're, <laughs> we're full anchor man over here, just so everybody knows. We just you read the questions down, that are it. given to Do us. <laughs> no, it's just, it, it seems like since then we've added a few teams. A few. Yeah, you, you, you probably are correct. Sir. So uh, I'll say that uh, Mickey Lolich was the, uh, 
Nikki Lolich was the MVP of that World Series. I am Ron Burgundy. No. <laughs> All right. I am. <laughs> the great Matthew Rocchio has shunned opening day in St. Louis in favor of watching his Nuggets play in the Valley of the Sun. That would be Arizona. Who is the Denver's? Who is the Denver franchise's all-time leading scorer? Hmm. Um. You'd think that Carmelo Anthony would be on the list, but Dan Issel was there and was great. I wonder if he included the ABA. I'm going to go with, um, hmm, what other great player did they have? I think I'll go with Dan Issel. All righty. In just under seven hours, the Cardinals opened their 2023 season against the Toronto Blue Jays. Who was the last Cardinals pitcher to take a loss on opening day? Hmm. Last Cardinal pitcher to take a loss on opening day. I'll say, um, I'll say Adam Wainwright. Golf's first major of the year, the Masters, takes place next week at Augusta National. Who was the last player to capture the green jacket by winning a playoff? Hmm. I'll do the lifeline, Brooke. Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, or Sergio Garcia? I'll go Sergio. Okay, we have a winner. The winner and new champion of the fight, Average Joe Listener. Keith, you took down Randy three to two. We'll run down the questions for you for the first time since 1968. All, however many teams there were, <laughs> were scheduled to play on opening day. In that year's World Series, the Tigers defeated the Cardinals in seven games. The MVP of that fall classic was indeed Mickey Lolich. Uh, Matthew Rocchio shunned us, unfortunately, and he is in the, the, the Valley of the Sun watching the Denver Nuggets take on the what are they taking on? I don't even know who they're Nuggets playing. and the Suns in the, the Valley of the Sun. The Nuggets are taking on the Suns. There yeah. you go. The all-time <laughs> Franchise leader for scoring for the Nuggets is one Alex English. Oh, okay. And then the third question, seven hours, the Cardinals uh, opened their 2023 season. The last Cardinals started to take a loss on opening day was Miles Michaelis. Mm. And the last question we have, golf's first major uh, of the year, the Masters, takes place next week at Augusta. Who is the last player to capture the green jacket by winning a playoff? It was indeed Sergio Garcia in 2017. Perfect. Good job, Keith. Great job today. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Keith. Thanks so much. Coming up on opening day, our visit with Bob Costas on the opening drive with Kerry, Brook, and Randy on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the opening drive on 101 ESPN with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and it has become a opening day tradition here on my shows on 101 ESPN to visit with the Ford Frick Award winner from 2018, Our Town's Bob Costas. Bob, good morning. Hi, Randy. How you doing? Doing great. And always, we always look forward to opening day, and I know that this is one of your highlight days mm-hmm. of the year, too. Yeah, it is. And although people can accuse me of provincialism, it really is different in St. Louis than almost anywhere else. There's just a different feeling around it. And when those Hall of Famers come back in their red jackets and all the tradition and the appreciation of the history of Cardinal baseball, and I've said this so many times that people are probably tired of hearing me say it, but in St. Louis, you have that combination of knowledge and passion, but also appreciation and civility. Other places may be as passionate Few places have the combination of all those things 
that makes baseball in St. Louis so special. And Bob, we were so spoiled for so many years, and we will have the Cardinal Hall of Famers, and we'll have Ozzie and Whitey and Ted Simmons, but when we had Red and Stan and Bruce Suter and Bob Gibson and Lou Brock, guys that we've lost over the course of the last decade, we were so spoiled by having all those guys every single year on opening day. Yeah, and you might add to that list Tim McCarver. Right. Uh, who passed away only recently and has such St. Louis ties, not just because of his years with three pennant winners in the 60s, but his partnerships with Jack Buck, Joe Buck, and even briefly myself, and and with Dan McLaughlin when he came back to do 40 or 50 games uh, more recently. So Tim is a, a an integral part of baseball history. I'm very sad that we lost him. Well, Bob, someone who will be wearing a red jacket one day is Adam Wainwright. Can you believe that this will be his final season? I know that it's tough that he's going to be starting on the injured list, but what are your expectations for his final season as a Cardinal, really the end of an era? Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't surprise me, Brooke. He's into his 40s. He's had a tremendous career, a borderline Hall of Fame career. Uh, there may be exceptional days or nights where he's able to go deeper, but I think the expectation would be if Wainwright is at his best more often than not and gives you five, maybe six good innings, this is modern baseball, and he's in his 40s, that's all they signed him for. Bob, uh, on the opposite end of, of Adam Wainwright, you got a young man named Jordan Walker who has been touted by most as one of the top prospects in baseball and predicted by some to win Rookie of the Year. What does it mean to have a guy that is that good for the fan base and for the organization um, to be predicted, be projected to be that good in, 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 the, in the organization? Yeah, Kerry, it's just another thing to be excited about as opening day uh, is upon us and the Cardinals being fiscally responsible, not stingy, but fiscally responsible, rely heavily on a very good, consistently good farm system. And here's another example of that. And I can tell you there's excitement about Jordan Walker outside St. Louis. They're talking about him a lot on the Major League Baseball Network. Uh, He's definitely uh, drawn notice this spring. And if he lives up to his potential, we don't want to put too much pressure on him right away. You know, people sometimes draw judgments after like a week of at-bats. Uh, but if if he's allowed to kind of settle in, and it looks like he's comfortable to begin with, but if he's allowed to get his stride against real regular season major league pitching and in that big league environment, uh, it seems like he has a very high ceiling. Bob, over the years, you and I have talked a lot about the dissolution of real action in the sport. I think Baseball A did a really good thing in bringing Theo Epstein in to try to figure out mm-hmm. how, to, how to change things. What are your impressions of what the rules changes will bring to the sport? Well, I'm generally very favorably inclined toward them. And when you mentioned Theo, uh, I've said this on the air and I said it to him. They brought you in to rein in the monster you helped to create. (laughs) Dr. Frankenstein, what do we do now? You're you're the guy who created it. How do we stop it? (laughs) And you can't blame him. He applied analytics, and that was copied. Obviously, started with Billy Bean in Oakland, and now that seems almost rudimentary uh, with how sophisticated the analytics have become. The reason why Epstein and others and Jeff Lunau and others did it is because it works, and you can't ask anyone to give up a competitive edge just because it would make baseball better as an entertainment product. So central baseball had to legislate it. And the idea that this is newfangled, no, this is back to the future. This this is baseball as it was in the 80s and 90s. 
And I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but one of the things baseball did in its due diligence, we know that they set it in motion for a couple of years in the minor leagues, and they had all kinds of test cases, but they also superimposed the clock over memorable games from the 80s and 90s. And almost always, whether it was 20 seconds with a man on base or 15 seconds with the bases empty, almost always, with no imperative to do it, the pitchers and the hitters beat the clock, sometimes two pitches within that framework. And when the, when it was first proposed, and I was in favor of it, I said to Tom Verducci, who was one of the most insightful baseball observers out there, I said to Tom, don't you want the umpires to have some discretion? Because there are some situations that are just so dramatic that you don't mind the wait. It builds the anticipation and drama. And as one example, I said, what about Kirk Gibson's at-bat in the World Series in 1988 off Dennis Eckersley, the pinch-hit home run that turned the whole World Series around, one of the most theatrical moments in baseball history? And Tom agreed, but then he went back and put a stopwatch on the at-bat. And believe it or not, in a World Series game, with the tying run on base and two outs in the bottom of the ninth, there wasn't one instance where the, there would have been a clock violation. Under these rules, you're allowed, the batter's allowed to call one timeout. And Gibson did ask for timeout just before the 3-2 pitch. And, of course, the clock resets after a foul ball, and he hit a little trickler up the first baseline, and he had to limp back into the batter's box. But even checking the runner first, and Mike Davis stole second during the at-bat, Never once did it take more than 20 seconds once the clock had started for Eckersley to deliver to Gibson. And it clearly didn't cause any problems either. Eckersley didn't need that time. As a matter of fact, I, I remember the at-bat because, it, like you said, it was a lot of pitches. He followed a few, few pitches off, if well, I recall. Right. And mm-hmm. it seemed like the bat, the at-bat lasted a long time, but it was because of the number of pitches that were being thrown, not the time yeah. between the two the pitches that were being thrown. That, that's right. That's right. And all the foul balls and the three-two count and, and everything else. What you do hope is that in spring training, the umpires are calling it to the letter of the rule just to get everybody used to it. You don't want to see in a big game. You don't want to see literally the game end on either a ball or a strike that's called because of a clock violation. Um, you don't. You don't want that to happen. That would not be in the spirit of the rule. Uh, but we hope that. Everyone will get into a natural rhythm so that that doesn't arise too often. Bob Costas with us on the opening drive. More coming up on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. ESPN broadcasting live from the Budweiser Brewhouse inside Ballpark Village for opening day. Brought to you by Green Envy Lawn Care, Budweiser, and Rawlings. Find all your Rawlings gear at Dick's Sporting Goods. Bob Costas joining us on the opening drive. And, Bob, I did want to ask you about the shift because there's been a lot of consternation, people thinking, oh, baseball's changing too much. And you and I are both old school, although we're not immune to change. But if we look at the NBA with the three-point shot and they outload the the zone defense for a while, and if we look at the NFL enforcing defensive holding, and if we look at hockey taking out the red line – Every sport seems to want more scoring, right? Yeah, and you want more action, which is connected to scoring, but is not exactly the same thing. And when shifts first became prevalent, we thought, well, this is really affecting slow-footed left-handed power hitters 
who hit a ball through what would have been the hole and somebody throws them out from short right field. Or they're so frustrated by it that they don't try to hit the ball on the ground or even hit a line drive. They try to hit it over the shift, and that may lead to more home runs but also leads to more strikeouts. But what you realized as time went by was that a lot of balls right up the middle, that in your mind's eye, as soon as it went past the pitcher, you said before the camera shifted, if you were watching the game on television, that's a base hit. Oh, no, it's not. There's someone standing right there. And you can't blame them for doing it because the analytics work. So not only does that take away a base hit, but it also takes away the potential great play by an Ozzie Smith-type shortstop diving to his left or an athletic second baseman diving to his right. You're going to need more athletic infielders under this new setup uh, or those that already have the athleticism. It'll be on display more, and there'll be more runners on base. Uh, That's already happened in spring training. There are more more ground ball base hits. They've already tracked all that. You'll have more guys on base. The larger bases that look like pizza boxes to some people, (laughs) you know, may, may take some getting used to. But I was watching the Yankee game against the Rays a little while ago. Uh, spring training game, and Michael Kay, the Yankee announcer, noted about their uh, really exciting young uh, rookie shortstop, Anthony Volpe. He stole 50 bases last year in the minor leagues where they had the bigger bases. And he said that that made a difference. Even though it may seem like just a tiny little bit, it's a few inches closer on either side. And even the threat of it, and the fact that you can only throw over twice And if you throw over a third time, unless you pick the guy off, it's a balk. You know, that's just going to create – I don't know that it's going to be the reincarnation of Vince Coleman, but it's going to create more action or even the possibility of action. A guy's dancing off the base. The pitcher's distracted. Baseball in recent years, as much as we love it, has too often been static. Now it'll feel like there's more motion and more stuff going on. Well, piggybacking off of that, Bob, how different will these changes you're talking about – speeding up the pace of play how different will this be for players fans and even broadcasters like you i think it's all good you know i started broadcasting major league games in the 80s and through the 90s before resuming again when uh, the baseball network came into being in 2009 and it's always been a storyteller's game jack buck did it vin scully did it under the previous circumstances you want a pleasing leisurely pace You don't want a plodding, lethargic pace. And that's what baseball is doing. And like Randy said earlier, we're not against the game changing. The tradition matters more and history matters more in baseball than in any other sport. But it's always evolved through its history. The question is, do you do it intelligently? And it seems as if baseball has thought this through and has done it intelligently. Will there be some pitchers and hitters who will take a while to adjust? Yeah, and we think about the pitchers. But think of how many hitters have been conditioned to step out of the box after taking ball one, and now they step out of the box. They didn't even foul the ball off. Nothing happened. They step out of the box. What they're doing is they're programming their head. What is this pitcher likely to throw me on 0-1 had that been a strike, as opposed to what it's now 1-0? Okay, thank you, Einstein. Somehow <laughs> Ted, Will- Ted Williams and Tony Gwynn and Ty Cobb, they all somehow were able to get by. They all programmed all that stuff in their baseball genius heads without having to take half an hour to do it. So get your tush back in the box and let's go. And I'm talking to you, J.D. Martinez. (laughs) Bob, the World Baseball Classic just ended in dramatic fashion. What were your thoughts on it? I loved it. I loved it more than any of the previous 
WBCs. It was unfortunate that Altuve got hit by a pitch and was injured, and even more unfortunate that Edwin Diaz, in a celebration, is out for the season, the best closer in the National League last year, and the Mets are set up to have a terrific season. That part was an unfortunate byproduct. But just in terms of the quality of play and the passion for all of it, um, and then you get this dream scenario you couldn't possibly have scripted, uh, Otani against Trout, I, I thought it was great. And coupled with um, the real excitement over the changes in the game, um, I think that it sends baseball into this season on a on a good note. I'm going to miss Timmy Trumpet this year. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Not only is not only is Edwin Diaz on on IR, but Timmy Trumpet has been sidelined. This is just so wrong. It's tragic. It's tragic. Hey, yeah, Bob, it's kind of tragic. Yeah. Bob, what do you think of what Steve Cohen and the Mets and what the Padres are doing from a payroll standpoint? There seems to be a lot of consternation, but. Over the last 10 years, the Mets and Dod- or not the Mets, the, the Yankees and Dodgers have had the one, two payrolls in the league seven times. Two other times they've been in the top four, and they've mm-hmm. got one World Series between them to right. show for it. I'm not as concerned about what the Mets and Padres are doing as a lot of people. What do you think? Well, the Yankees haven't been to the World Series since 2009. The Dodgers have been to the World Series three times, only one at once. And they've really been the best team in baseball on a pretty consistent basis. They won 111 games mm-hmm. last year. Then they get tripped up by the Padres. Uh, the Padres' ownership may be not as well-heeled as Steve Cohen, but they're certainly going for it. And they know they're in the same division as the Dodgers, so they can't mess around. Uh, if they're going to be in that division and going to bid for anything other than a wild card, uh, then they've got to step up to the plate. And it seems like they've done it, and they've got a lot of good young talent they've got a lot of guys you know bogart's bogart's a veteran but he's a young veteran they they have a very very formidable team and And when it comes to the mets when it comes to the mets here's the deal right steve cohen has something reportedly 17 billion dollars in personal wealth so he doesn't care that when you count the luxury tax his payroll this year is close to a half a billion dollars his payroll is 41 percent higher than the yankees Wow. <laughs> you know, now, here's the thing. It's, it's like they say about politics. All politics is local. All baseball is local. If it's your team that's doing it, you don't care. If you're sitting in Cincinnati or Pittsburgh, you say, oh, my gosh, you know, we might as well just, you know, like they do in, in European soccer. You move to a lower league. The Pirates could win the International League. You know, on the other hand, if you're Pittsburgh or Cincinnati, somebody says, hey, take a look at Tampa. They got a crummy ballpark. They said that, you know, they they maybe get 20,000 fans a game on a good night and they're competitive every year. So they're doing something, even with limited resources, that you're not. So go and figure it out. Bob, you've done a multitude of sports, baseball, basketball, boxing, football, the Olympics. Which one is your favorite to call? Baseball. Um, Baseball (laughs) has always been my favorite. Uh, basketball, I loved the NBA on NBC in the 90s. It was a golden era. And the way what, yes. covered it was, yes. was just terrific. <laughs> um, you know, and I know I'm associated with the Olympics, and, and that was an honor to do. I did a dozen of them. But baseball's always been my favorite sport, and I just like being around it, whether I'm calling it or not. I just like being at the ballpark. I like talking with baseball people. So um, it's not disrespect to any of the others. I, I've enjoyed all of them. But baseball is always my favorite. Hey, Bob, we're like every radio host in America. We have a tendency to be lazy and do the Jordan versus LeBron thing. I don't think I've ever <laughs> asked you who's the best ever. Jordan. 
Um, and here's my reasoning. You could make a case for both of them statistically. And I've put it this way on the air before. LeBron may be equally, in his own way, equally excellent, but he will never be as great, if you can appreciate that distinction. Michael Jordan had such an impact on the league and on the whole history of basketball. He's the centerpiece of the NBA during the 90s. He's the centerpiece of the Dream Team in 92 in Barcelona as the game goes global. And he has more iconic moments, which is not to say he's a better player necessarily, but he has more iconic moments that are locked in the imagination of even casual fans than LeBron or anyone else can approach. And this is a, what I'm about to say is no disrespect to LeBron. No little old lady in Omaha ever said, Mildred, I'm sorry. I can't play bridge with you tonight. I have to watch LeBron. But a zillion little old ladies like that who didn't know a three-pointer from a pick-and-roll said that about Michael Jordan. I got to watch Michael Jordan. Now, here's another thing. You know, and it's not fair, but there are great players who are not as appealing to watch as other great players. Is LeBron compelling? Yes. In my view, he's not as appealing to watch as Steph Curry. And no one was as appealing to watch as, as Michael Jordan. Magic Johnson was wonderful to watch. Mm. Larry Bird, in his own unique way, was wonderful to watch. But, but if, you were, if you were casting a movie about basketball and you needed a leading man, even if Denzel Washington was 30 years old and could play basketball, nope, nope, Denzel, <laughs> don't, don't bother. <laughs> we, we got it. And his name is Michael Jordan. You know? so, so he went, in my mind, he wins on that basis. And you know what? If you're second to Michael Jordan, that's, that's like if somebody said, you're the second best player I ever saw, except for Willie Mays. Hmm. Or, or you're, you're the second best I ever saw. I'm 100 years old. You're the second best I ever saw other than Babe Ruth. That's not bad. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that, too. I I like that one, Bob. Well, of course, we have to put you on the spot for one last question, at least for me. The Cardinals, obviously, as we mentioned, Adam Wainwright, final season. You have Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt. You have this young superstar in Jordan Walker. How far can the Cardinals take it this season? They can take it very far. Um, It was disappointing that they lost the two straight games to the Phillies, and that one game got away maybe with bad bullpen management that first game that set the stage for the quick two and out but the cardinals are in the right division you know the the division helps um you're able if you're fiscally responsible and you make shrewd moves you can contend in the central division Uh, i think the cardinals should be the favorite to win it and once you get there as the padres and phillies proved by getting all the way to the lcs and the phillies all the way to the world series once you get there almost anything can happen and while we're at it, Randy knows this, and Kerry and Brooke, you'll get used to it. I always have some sort of big-picture idea because, you know, I'm just trying to be helpful to the game I love. Whether they pay attention to me or not is irrelevant. So here's the deal, right? They expanded the playoffs. It was the right thing to do. It makes sense on any number of levels. But they should tweak it in the following way. No division winner. If you're going to have divisions, it should matter to win it. No division winner should be thrown in with the wild cards in some kind of crapshoot. The Cleveland Guardians shouldn't have had that winning the Central last year, and neither should the Cardinals. 
So here's what you do. The three division winners are into the division series, and they wait through the wild card round. But think of wild cards historically. Very often, the best wild card is the second best team in the league. Think about the Dodgers year before last. They won 106, and the Giants won 107. That team is different than the fifth and sixth qualifiers. What they should do is the fifth and sixth qualifiers should play a one-game knockout on the home field of the fifth qualifier. That's already been established. It's happened until last year. That's what the wild card was, a one-game knockout. Think of the Cardinals against the Dodgers in 21. It's exciting. It's an elimination game. And if you came in through the back doors, the fifth or sixth qualifier, you should be subject to that crapshoot. But you should be different than the best wild card, the survivor of the knockout, goes to the home field of the best wild card, best two out of three, all three on that field if it goes that far. And then the survivor goes in among the four division winners. Then what you've done is you have gradations of difference based on regular season achievement rather than just kind of throwing them all together the way they are now. That's a way to take something that was an improvement to begin with and make it a little bit better. And I submit this to you and to Rob Manfred free of charge. <laughs> I was, I was going to ask you, Bob, when you suggest these sorts of things, when, when you're sitting next to Rob Manfred, does yeah. he take it seriously? Does he listen yeah. to your thoughts? Oh, no, he absolutely does. And then sometimes he laughs. He goes, you know, this is why I still get letters saying you should be the commission. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what sort of uh, MLB network schedule do you have coming up early in the season? Happily, I have three Cardinal games. This year, we, I know the whole regular season schedule already, uh, and I have three in St. Louis, one on May 18th against the Dodgers, one on June 28th against the Astros, I think, and one in late August, and I forget who the opponent is, so I'm happy about that. I'm going to do a half dozen games for TBS in April and May because Brian Anderson, who's a terrific young announcer, just did a great job on uh, March Madness, uh, he's busy with the NBA playoffs in April and May. So I'll do a half dozen games for TBS in April and May. I'll do 10 or 11 during the regular season for MLBN. And then in the postseason, I'll do one of the two National League Division Series on TBS with Ron Darl. We always enjoy hearing your voice and seeing your work. And I always love having you on and uh, the time that you give us on opening day, Bob. Thanks so much. And when you are in town in late, later in April, we'll stop by and see you in the booth. That's great. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you, Kerry. That's our friend Bob Costas on 101 ESPN. Coming up as opening day from the Budweiser Brewhouse rolls on, the Cardinal President of Baseball Operations, John Mozeliak, joins us. Stick around. It's time to break down the biggest sports story of the day on the opening drive with today's big thing. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. Happy opening day. Good to have you with us on 101 ESPN from the Budweiser Brew House at Ballpark Village. We've got Kerry Davis. We've got Brooke Grimsley. I'm Randy Carricker. We go to the celebrity line now. And the president of baseball operations for your St. Louis Cardinals, John Mozeliak, joins us as he does on a regular basis. Mo, as always, thanks for your time. Good morning and happy opening day. Oh, thank you. Good morning to all. Well, let's start with this, uh, and I don't know if I've ever asked you this question, but you're down on the field for the parade and all of the Cardinal Hall of Famers that come through. What's that like for you? Well, it's always a special moment, and needless to say, it's, it's great seeing some old faces that, that maybe I don't interact with on a regular basis, so that's always super cool. 
And, you know, when you think back to some of the, the, the Hall of Famers that get um, to participate in that, I mean, like when I was a kid, those guys were legends. So it's, it's always a very, very great experience to, to have. And, you know, I look forward to today because I know how special it is, not only for the organization, but also for the city of St. Louis and our region. So as I was telling my wife as I was leaving this morning, today's the start of many, many days. So <laughs> enjoy today, but uh, work still begins. Mo, I know most Cardinal fans got the outcome that they were looking for. Uh, was there any, ever any question in your mind that Jordan Walker would be on the opening day roster? Sure. Um, I, I think like it, when you sit in my seat, the worst thing you ever do is just sort of make assumptions, anchor to them, and then not be open-minded. And, and so I think a lot of the roster decisions that we ultimately uh have to exercise in, in spring training is, is remain open-minded. And I think, you know, in Jordan's case, I went into camp hoping he would take advantage of the opportunity he was getting. Cause obviously with uh, uh, Mr. O'Neill and, and Lars playing in the WBC, Jordan got a lot more at bats than he might've normally gotten in, in camp. And, and I think everybody would agree early on. He, uh, he really took advantage of that. And I think it's exciting because, uh, you know, he's, he's someone that we talk a lot about, but you, you, you try not to, like, overinflate your prospects because then you get beat up later for it. But I think, you know, ultimately here's a young man that, that um, really earned his opportunity, and it's kind of exciting to have someone that's 20 years old on your team and also having a 42-year-old pitcher. So uh, quite a spread. <laughs> well, speaking of that, there was another rookie that performed extremely well uh, this spring training in Mason, Mason Wynn. Was there any consideration to keep him here? Not really. Um, I, th- I think these guys, um, yes, they were on parallel paths to some degree. But when you look at like what Jordan was able to accomplish last year at, at AA, it was a little different. I definitely agree that, that Mason Wind opened up a lot of eyes, um, proved to uh, be very capable middle infielder shortstop, and you know, super excited what he was able to accomplish. Also another guy that took advantage of his opportunity, and uh, that was great to see. Um, would it shock me to see him in the big leagues at some point this year? No, but you know, ultimately uh, he's got to go down. He'll um, start at AAA and, and get a lot of opportunities down there. Mo, you talked a lot this offseason about your confidence level about this pitching staff going into the season. Of course, you can't predict injuries or setbacks, but with Adam Wainwright starting the season on the injured list and Jack Flaherty struggling during spring training, is there any concerns about Jack in the starting rotation now going into the season? Not really. I, I mean, I, I guess I would, would kind of disagree with the struggling part. I feel like here's a guy that had a, a very healthy offseason, which was something he hasn't had in a few years. I think he was really used to spring training to work on things. I, I think some people don't understand that, that not every game is about, you know, maximizing your, your strikeout rate or, or wins or losses in spring training. It really is about preparation. So, I'm pretty bullish on him and, uh, you know, certainly hope he gets off to a great start and, and can take advantage of that. Hey, Mo, how do you think the rules changes will affect your ball club specifically? You know, I don't think they're going to affect us all that much. Um, you know, we don't have any sort of left-hand hitter that just explicitly felt like they were getting crushed by the, by the shift. Um, stolen bases, we, do, we still have speed on our team, so hopefully we can take advantage of that a little bit. Um, you know, maybe the biggest difference will be, like, how does uh, Contreras handle 
the, the, the running game relative to what we've had for the last, you know, 17, 18 years with Yachty. Um, so, so that'll be something that's interesting. So holding runners is, is obviously critical in, into the success of that as well. So, but I think like from a fan standpoint, from a front office standpoint, and I, you know, I'm, I'm going to say this, even from a player standpoint, I think everybody's going to appreciate the pace of the game. Um, what we saw this spring was, was really exciting and I hope it, it translates into the regular season. We tend to focus in on one guy a lot as fans all the time. And Gallegos obviously was, I think, the second slowest pitcher last year in Major League Baseball. Any concerns about him with the pitch clock? I'm not really concerned. Um, I was going into camp. Um, obviously, the, the first week or so of spring training, I definitely think he did struggle with, with the clock. But he's he's making adjustments. He I think he now understands and accepts what he has to do. So I think he'll be just fine. What do you think about all the competition going to the season? I mean, it seems like the only positions or starting positions that are guaranteed are Nolan Arnato, of course, and Paul Goldschmidt and Wilson Contreras. But everything else seems like it's up in the air. Is that what you guys are kind of wanting is competition to bring out the best in everybody? You know, I hope we're a little bit past that competition. But, look, this is a, a tough industry, tough business. And, you know, you, you can only look if, – if you focus looking ahead, you're probably okay. But if you start looking behind you, um, you may end up having regrets. And, I mean, that's the hardest part of this game because we're always looking to improve the roster. Um, you know, we hold an annual draft each year. Um, the reason we hold that draft is to bring talent um, into the organization. And so – you know, when you look at the depth of the St. Louis Cardinals right now, I mean, there were some tough decisions this past week down in spring training, especially when you when you consider what we were having to do with our bullpen. And, you know, having somebody like Dylan Carlson not making the starting lineup sort of screams like, hey, you know, they're serious when they talked about competition early on in camp. Right. Mo, I, you've done this this uh, opening day numerous times. What's your favorite part? Is it the Clydesdales? Is it the, the 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 Cardinal Hall of Famers in the red jackets? Is it the wide-eyed rookies that are experiencing it for the first time? Which would you say is your favorite part? You know, I think, like, the pomp and circumstances is, is, is great, but I just like getting it going. Yeah. Um, as you can imagine, like, in my seat, it's, it's 12 months a year. And, you know, now today, as we sit here, like we're finally going to go. And for the last basically four months, we've just prepared to get to this day. And now it's, it's, it's go time. And so for me, I think that's like the part I, I take away with the most. But look, I understand from a fan standpoint and what people see today. Look, I'm sitting in my office right across the street from where you guys are. And there's a lot of people milling around. So today's today's unique, right? Like, you know, come Saturday morning, I might be sitting in my office at at 8.30 in the morning, and I'm not going to see the same type of energy, um, people wearing Cardinal gear. It's it's just different. So, like, today's special. And what I, like, tell people is, like, just embrace it for what it is. It's unique and enjoy it. Hey, Mo, one more thing. We've talked to a lot of people this morning. We talked to Costas. We talked to Amzinger. We talked to Big Mac. Everybody loves your team around the country, and they think you're going to be really good. As you mentioned, you're sitting in the big chair. What sort of expectations do you have for the group that the Cardinal front office has put together for 2023? Well, you and I chatted yesterday a little bit, and, you know, one of the things that I always try to do is, you know, you, you try to put a competitive club out there every year, and I think we've been able to accomplish that. Look, you, to have success, you need a lot of things go right for you. 
you need good fortune, you need good health, and at times you need to be a little lucky. But when you look at this team and just say the, the pure sense of, of the type of lineup we're, li- we're going to send out there, it, it has a chance to be a really, really good offense. And if that happens, that's awesome. Our, our starting rotation, if these guys are able to, to go eat innings, go deep in games, then we're going to be pretty good. And we're really excited about our bullpen. So you, you dovetail that with your rotation, you have a chance to, to do something special. And, and uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, I'm one of those internal optimists on, on a day like today. I always think that we're going to be good. I'm always excited about where we are. And I'm certainly looking forward to uh, how the season plays out. But to answer your question, I'm pretty excited about what we have going. So are we. Mo, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Happy opening day. Have a great 2023, and we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Take care. That's the Cardinal president of baseball operations, John Mozeliak on 101 ESPN. I, I haven't run into anybody nationally or obviously locally. That's, there are going to be some people that are not excited about this ball club, but the observers of the sport, we talked to Tim Kirchner earlier yeah. in the week. Everybody's excited about this ball club. Yeah, I mean, how can you not be excited about Noah Arnato, Paul Goldschmidt, now you add a young superstar with, it seems like, all the potential in the world with Jordan Walker. And hopefully, as Mo said, look, we're happy today. I'm taking the approach that Carrie said. We're going to be happy, confident. I believe in this pitching staff. I like Did that. Did I sound well, confident sound in that? <laughs> yep, I, I believe. It's like the No, I mean, Stephen Matz and Jordan Montgomery have been fantastic, and I do trust that Jack has stuff in the tank. He can have that ace-like stuff. It's just getting it together into the season. He was playing possum with everybody. He was just... He was, he was, uh, that's called sandbagging. He was, he was holding people, he was holding yeah. it back. Yeah, he was. You know? yep, yep. Hey, we're at Ballpark Village. Coming up, we're going to t- talk to the COO of Ballpark Village. A lot of cool stuff happening, a lot of construction underway. Mike LaMartina of Ballpark Village is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the Budweiser Brew House at Ballpark Village with Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis and Brooke Grimsley. I'm Randy Carricker, and as I was walking in here this morning, I was thinking, man, this is uh, Ballpark Village is the crown jewel of downtown St. Louis. And the COO of Ballpark Village is our friend Mike LaMartina, who stops by here at our setup at the Budweiser Brew House. Mike, good morning. Happy opening day. Good morning to you, and happy opening day. And you have to be really proud of just what you have here. And obviously the business is great, but it looks fantastic. It's so well-maintained. You, you have to be thrilled with what Ballpark Village is. Well, we work hard. We work hard. You know, it's it's a 24-7, 365 neighborhood now. So we've got, you know, residents living here in One Cardinal Way in our luxury apartment building and then uh, live by Lowe's with our hotel and people staying here and then the PwC Pennant Building, people working here, you know. And in addition to everything that we do, with our food and beverage entities. So it's it's fantastic. And um, a day like today is something to be excited for, as, as St. Louis does, but it's something to be excited for as, as we gear up as well. How many people do you expect to be here today on, on opening day? I mean, you, you can't really put a number on it. Okay. You know, you got 48,000, 46,000 plus okay. in the stadium with standing room. And then you know, we're gonna we're the place to be mm-hmm. whether you have a ticket or not. Right. So pregame, post game, during the game. Okay. Our reservations sold out for game watch and, and uh pregame watch weeks ago awesome. inside Valley Sports Live. Yeah. And so um we've become that, that place where you wanna be for all the action if it's any sport. Mm-hmm. But opening day is very special. 
Well, and you guys have some new additions that people can expect when they come over here now too, right? Absolutely. And Bally Sports Live, as I mentioned, is one of those. And we've upgraded our 40-foot screen to a now 65-foot immersive experience, which is, you know, our, our job here is to create the arena or um, stadium experience as, as you would mimic if you're in it. Mm -hmm. And we do that day in, day out, and you've come to expect it for now our 10th season. Wow. Um, That's amazing. Entering our tenth opening day right now, and so um, we've we've upgraded to that to that screen, and and we're excited to showcase all of that for everyone, and um, and we're here for it. And Mike, over the years, you've had great dining options, and you've got more here now and more on the way. Yes, we do. We have twenty thousand square feet of new restaurant openings coming by June. So Todd Sottlemyer, former Cardinals pitcher, he opened Coibito Poke yesterday. And it's it's here, right adjacent to the interest of Bally Sports Live. Katie's Pizza and Pasta, local favorite. Everyone loves Katie's Pizza and Pasta. She's opening a fantastic, um, well-designed, awesome place um, down here with 10,000 square feet in the next month. And then Coibito, I'm sorry, and then Condado Tacos will open in uh, June. That's the first of Missouri for them and plant their flag here in St. Louis at uh, Ballpark Village. Now, one of the perks has to be the ability to eat at all of these restaurants. Which one? If you got to choose one, I'm going to oh, put you on the spot. Oh. Which one I don't, are you choosing? You Come know. On, let me know so, cause, because i got to see it. i gotta, I got to check it out for myself. I've got a rotation. Okay. I've got a rotation. <laughs> so, you know, Sports and Social, uh, which is adjacent to our Together Credit Union Plaza, um, is, is a great Friday lunch spot. Okay. Budweiser Brewhouse, where you are right now and where we're sitting right now, is – is a good lunch spot as well, and it has the beer garden here at Budweiser Brew House. It's fantastic for pre-game, post-game entertainment, and then um, everything throughout the season and off-season. Mm -hmm. But Bally Sports just rolled out a new menu, and we've got a late-night pizza pizza bar as well. Uh, Salt and Smoke has been fantastic as well. I mean, it's it's one of those things that um, you know local local restaurants opening in Ballpark Village has has been a focus of ours to create this diversity throughout the neighborhood. And it's not only for St. Louis, but it's for our, our residents, our um, office tenants. It's, it's for everyone here. And so we've got a lot of local and we've got a lot of uh, other establishments that are, that are here. And it, there's something for everyone. And, and that, that doesn't sell short of the retail aspects, too. We've got Arch Apparel and baseballism and authentic stores and Cardinals team stores as well. I like Archer Apparel, Apparel a lot. There's always a good options over there. And I'm excited about Katie's Pizza, but also for people, too. I know that there's a lot of times where you can't get a ticket to the game, but you guys have options to watch the game from some of your great views over here. Yeah, our, our rooftops are actually a function of uh, stadium ticketing. And if you look from home plate and all of the uh, telecasts, you think that Ballpark Village is actually in the stadium <laughs> and for our town guests. But we have rooftops, the Cardinals Nation rooftop and the Budweiser Brewhouse rooftop. Those tickets are available um, every game as well. It's, it's one of those unique aspects that was master planned as part of the original development and, and fantastic. And Budweiser Brewhouse creates that kind of, um, you know, general admission, fun, kind of open air aspect and then cardinals nation does an all-inclusive just like you would expect in the stadium but you're able to do so in the ballpark village property and 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 be part of the game and everything here which is unique to us um versus other stadiums we're fiber fed from the stadium so everything is in real time the the game audio the game 
video. Everything is in real time. You're not getting delays. Mm -hmm. Everything's right there in sync. Great place to be for a game, whether you have a ticket or not. We're here at Ballpark Village. The whole station will be here throughout the course of the day. Mike LaMartina, thanks so much for stopping by. Thanks for what you do and having this fantastic facility for all of St. Louis. We appreciate you being here, and thank you for all you do. You bet. We'll see you soon. That's our buddy Mike LaMartina. He is the COO of the spectacular Ballpark Village. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch and get you ready for opening day here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The type of lineup we're going to send out there, it has a chance to be a really, really good offense. And if that happens, that's awesome. Our, our starting rotation... If these guys are able to, to go eat innings, go deep in games, then we're going to be pretty good. And we're really excited about our bullpen. So you, you dovetail that with your rotation, you have a chance to, to do something special. That's the Cardinals President of Baseball Operations, John Mozeliak. You can hear that entire interview at 101ESPN.com. All of our interviews from this morning, Greg Amzinger, Mark McGuire, Bob Costas, John Mozeliak up at 101ESPN.com and on the app. Opening day, and the Cardinals will send Miles Michaelis against Alec Manoa, who last year was 16-7 and with a 2.24 earned run average. Kerry uh, and Brooke, this Blue Jays team, number one, Matt, uh, old Matt Chapman and Vladimir Guerrero, they're kind of like the, the Arenado and Goldschmidt of the American League. They're really good. Their defense is terrific. They built their team to deal with the changes with the requirement of athleticism. I will not be surprised at all if the Blue Jays find themselves in the World Series. So this is a good way for the Cardinals to start, I think, is facing as big a challenge as they'll probably face all year long. This is what I like about the more balanced schedule that we're going to see this year. And I think it's honestly better to bring out this competition amongst the players, as we talked about with John Mozeliak as well, because you're going to need your players to play the best that they can. You're going to need the best players out there, especially with this more balanced schedule. Because here's the thing. You're, you can't count on some easy wins or games against the Pirates as much as you did in the past. Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against the Pirates, but I'm just no, saying. Everything against them. <laughs> no, Randy, I think, Randy and Brooke, you're right. I think it's going to be, you know, a, a challenge for the Cardinals. Kind of see where they are. Uh, see how Miles Michaelis pitches today and, and if – you know, he does does perform well, how well this lineup can go. I'm, I'm interested to see. I don't think they have the uh, the lineup out just yet. I'm interested to see where everyone is batting today and, and kind of seeing how that is going to look for the entire season. Hopefully it, it's consistent because I think guys get more comfortable when they're in a, in a specific spot throughout the entire year. But uh, it's going to be a, a great day here at, at, at Bush Stadium. We're at Ballpark Village right now. It's going to be fun to watch this opening day and see the Cardinals perform. And again, here's the way everything is going to break down today. The official opening day pep rally here at Ballpark Village starts at 10.30, goes till 12.30. Gates open at Bush Stadium at noon, and all fans 21 and older get a magnet featuring the 2023 Cardinals schedule. Compliments of Budweiser. And thanks to our friends at Budweiser, they've uh, dropped a few by here on they the table. Have. We can't drink those nice. now, right? we got to wait till no, we're almost at the end of the show. You know, we can crack yeah. one open. All right, just checking. Cardinal batting practice subject to change <laughs> will be at new, uh, 12.05, and then the Blue Jays scheduled to hit at 1 o'clock. And then pregame ceremonies be in your seat at 2.25. The Clydesdales at 2.25. The introduction of Fredbird and Team Fredbird. And then Bill DeWitt Jr., Bill DeWitt III, John Mozeliak at home plate, greeting the Cardinal Hall of Famers and the Cardinal players. And then 
then first pitch after the opening pitch, by the way, uh, thrown by Scott Rowland to Matt Holliday, first pitch by Miles Michaelis at 310 this afternoon. So quite a day coming up here in downtown St. Louis, and the weather is going to be absolutely glorious. God is clearly a Cardinal fan. Oh, indeed. I mean, yes, clearly. It's going to be It's a little chilly right now, yep. but we expect it to, to warm up by, by the time the, the first pitch is thrown. And, uh, you know, we're going to have a, a great day here in St. Louis. You get the, I, Randy, I'm excited. I told you, it's my first opening day ever. I'm fired up about in that. In person. I've watched it on TV plenty of times, but to be here in person, uh, I'm, I'm like a kid at the candy store. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the Clydesdales and seeing the, uh, the Cardinal Hall of Famers come out, and, and it's going to be spectacular. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be 67 degrees. Mm-hmm. Not that anybody was asking for a weather report for me or anything <laughs> like that. I don't know. Now, don't hold me to that. I, I'm, I'm expecting those sunny skies, 67 degrees, perfect weather to come out and celebrate the Cardinals. Do you like that weather report, Randy? I think that weather report is spectacular. Yeah, traffic and weather together on the threes here on 101 ESPN. <laughs> the traffic in St. Louis, nobody's going to be out driving today. It's just like Thanksgiving. So don't worry about traffic today because everybody's going to be taking in Cardinal baseball. You're going to yes. be watching it on TV at, at their homes or at a bar at their friendly pub. Yep. Enjoying Cardinal baseball. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what we do here in St. Louis. And one thing I, I don't criticize the Cardinals for not making it to the World Series or winning the World Series because the odds are that you're only going to win one every 30 years, right? The Cardinals have exceeded that by a wide margin. However, that being said, in St. Louis, people have those expectations. And if you've turned 25 in St. Louis, if you were born in St. Louis from 1901 to now and you turn 25, you have a World Series. Mm -hmm. And it's about time for this generation to get this, your son today yeah. coming to the game. Yep. That, that group needs a World Series to be able to cling to and become Cardinal fans because of. Well, and not to, you know, talk too much about Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt's age, but this seems like we know you, you have these two big talents. The chances now, if there is going to be a big run, you want to capitalize with these two guys still on your team, performing at the level that they do, it seems like, every single season – and you have a young star in Jordan Walker coming up. I'm telling you, I mean, it seems like just all the hype around him, he's handling mm-hmm. it so well. You have to expect big things for him this season, no right? No doubt. Yeah, I expect him to be a star. And I thought those numbers from, from Greg Amsinger, uh, Greg said 29 homers, what did he oh. say, 86 RBIs? Yeah, around there. Yeah, I, I, would, I think 29, I would love that if he got there. I'm not expecting 29. I would expect 20 to 25 from Walker, but if he gives us 29, all the better. And, Brooke, to expand upon what you're talking about, Adam Wainwright's only pitched in one World Series. Well, I pitched in one World Championship World Series. That's 2006. But he was hurt for 2011, pitched in 2013, obviously. And in his last year, what better way to go out than by winning it all? Yes, and it feels like you need Adam Wainwright to be a part of that equation as well. A healthy Adam Wainwright ready to go. You hate to see that he is going to start the season on the injured list, but it seems like it will take at least a month for him to get back on track. I have a feeling, though, I wonder if they are going to do anything special today to kind of talk about. I know he doesn't like all the fanfare constantly throughout the season about it being his final season, but still I wonder if they'll do something today just to say, this is it, your final season. Just one little big thing on yeah, opening day. His last opening day, I think that would be a cool thing to do. 
I agree. I, I mean, he's going to – the pitching staff is obviously going to be the thing that we watch throughout the entire season, the health, the ability, making sure guys are doing – what we need them to do. We think the, the lineup, the, the hitters are going to hit. <laughs> we believe that we've said it all, all offseason. What this pitching staff does is going to be key for this team and, and having their success this season. Whether you have a ticket today or not, make your way down here to Ballpark Village. All of the shows on 101 ESPN coming your way from here at the Budweiser Brew House. Great job today by our producer engineer in for Matthew Rocchio on opening day. Bradford Bruns. Thank you, Bradford. Appreciate it, guys. Enjoy it. Uh, Brooke, this has been fun. Have you enjoyed this this radio I have. opening day experience? This, Good. Yeah, this is this is week three, my first radio opening day, and I love it so far. Now we get to go walk around and see a lot of the fans and enjoy opening day. And the coolest thing about today is that Kerry Davis gets to experience his first, and so does his son. That's going to be yes. awesome. I'm looking forward to it. He is too. And he gets out of school early, so who that's, doesn't? There we go. <laughs> that's the right thing to do. We're, we're going to have a, t- a, a team bonding outing, yes. and we'll hopefully see you at the ballpark. For all of you who tuned in, texted in, and we're a part of the show, thanks so much for doing so. And until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great opening day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.